Strangers, welcome to the strain sessions with Corey and Krista. We kicked <laughs> Kurt to the curb. <laughs> there was a coup, and I am now the co-host. Corey's what? just a natural stand-in. He is a he is a natural stand-in. I'm back. They 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 decided to let me back in. We wouldn't have to change any initials or anything. What did I get kicked KK? out for? Oh, yeah. What was the coup about? I don't know. I'll have to think about that. Okay. I was getting should have been like welcome to cooking with. Corey, Corey <laughs> and Krista. Cooking with Corey. This, that's our strange Szechuan. Our new YouTube strange channel. Strange Szechuan. Our new YouTube channel. Do we need to talk about the guy on YouTube who has a show called Strangest, who calls his listeners strangers and says, stay strange at the end of every episode? Send him a cease and desist. Dash, <laughs> Dash pointed that out to us yesterday, day before yesterday. It surprises me that this hasn't been on our radar before. I'm, I'm, I am surprised too, but then I also looked and he has been around for four years and... Has stopped like a year ago yeah. putting out videos. So I don't know what's up with that. I feel but like you thought at some point somebody would have said. Somebody would have said something if yeah. they stumble across him, which yeah, tells me like, there's not a lot of cross, you know. He's probably scared. That's probably why he left. He probably found out about us and he didn't want <laughs> he didn't want us to score up with him. Maybe some strangers on the download were like, listen, dude, you need to disappear. <laughs> or I'm going to disappear <laughs> it you. Is <laughs> it is YouTube. His comments were probably all full of hate and right? yeah, no vitriol. And then one, was, of, one of uh, my students... I'll give her a shout out in a little bit, Emily. But I think it was Emily that said she was looking at some of the comments and people said our last episode wasn't very good and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I know. That's why I never, I don't look at our YouTube What was our last episode? Fatima. Oh. But I feel like our episodes aren't as good when I'm in school because I feel like I'm more stressed than usual and and don't concentrate as much on the episodes. Mm -hmm. So I feel like they're not as good while I'm working in school. I wonder if we have strayed a little bit away from like, paranormal stuff we have and i think that's some of it too but there's only so much you can do about hauntings yeah but we haven't covered like the stanley hotel or the winchester we covered the stanley hotel when we talked about the haunted areas in depth i don't think we could have gone really more in depth than that that's what i remember telling kurt that you know we were gonna pick or try to figure out what topic i was gonna do and it's hard for me to get up about a haunting or something paranormal because I don't believe You're not really in it. Into yeah. it. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. hard for me. So I remember I remember somebody making a comment about we don't want this to turn into a true crime podcast. Mm-hmm. That's like, all right. So I've done a few mysteries of like the diver and John Teeter and stuff, but it's hard to get up for something yeah. that you don't believe in. So yeah. most of my stuff will never be paranormal. Yeah, because right. I don't but believe I in ghosts like there's or not hauntings. A lot. You can yeah. talk about the Stanley Hotel, but there's just not a lot. It's a haunted house, and then. It's the same old, this person heard a bang, this person heard Well, that. I think it'd be cool to tie in like The Shining and Stephen yeah. King's experiences yeah. there. Well, I w- after she said that, I was thinking about that. And I think next season we'll try to get back with more paranormal stuff instead of just mysteries. But I want us to do true crime stuff. I want us to do offbeat stuff like Captain Coochie's Key Lime Pies. Yeah. But the I feel like when we do true crime, there's a mysterious twist to it. There we don't just is. talk about true crime. Like all of my mini mysteries are usually a missing persons where there's like a weird there's still twist that doesn't make sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's usually when I try to pick something, it's the, the person hasn't been found or it was a weird way that they either died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, kind like of the Lamb thing. Yeah, yeah, just somebody that was missing and then their body was found like 10 years later. It's not 
all, I, interesting. It's it's horrible. I just but... feel like there's not a lot to do about paranormal stuff unless we're interviewing people. Uh, yeah. And we don't want to go that route. I mean, think of all the strange states we haven't talked about yet. I mean, yeah. the story behind like The Conjuring. Like, there's a bunch of stuff we've never talked yeah. about. Yeah, so next next season about. we'll try to get more back into, because people love the EVP episode. Yeah. You know, so we'll try to get more back into the... Paranormal stuff. And I wonder if we shouldn't do... I'm not I'm not a late one, obviously, but shouldn't do an investigation and like record us doing the investigation and play that on there and talk about the investigation. So maybe that's something we can do next. Well, co- there are a couple people. Coleman. Yeah, oh my there God, were, I couldn't think of his name. There are Coleman offered to sponsor an investigation for our group there. Yeah. At the, because you got, you can you can reserve the asylum for just your group. I mean, yeah. it's like $300 maybe or something. Like I and said what sucks is with my sleep no, stuff, but you, I would be... There's all different time slots that you can go. We could go in an earlier time slot. That place noon. I'm, good, I'm good for investigating from 9 a.m. <laughs> till noon. Places <laughs> don't stop being haunted during the day. No, so, I know. And but it'd be dark in there anyway. It'd be cool like Corey and I go in there. Corey can like see what you think of that. But yeah. that, I totally we could do like back. something like that for next season. I would love to go back when there's not uh, 20 people with and it's, us it's, and it's, people I don't know and don't know if I can trust. And it's not and, hotter than a box of crotches yes, in there, too. I'd rather go in the winter than in yeah. 90 degree weather like I do. Yeah. So and if the people don't remember you being there, I wonder if they're still going to try to push, oh, we saw somebody down this hallway. Mm-hmm. You know, because they may forget that you were there once. But we can go without the tour people. Oh, okay. Like you literally can be Just in there alone with your group and do your own investigation. I so that's we what I would for like a second. I thought we were just talking. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but we'll try to get more back into the paranormal stuff next season. Yeah. Because this season's almost done. I know, it's crazy. I think after this episode, I think we have two more. Yeah. And Do then, you know what the next episode is? Have I think it's going it to be a missing yet? 411 spotlight. Oh, perfect. And then after People that is it. going to be listener stories. And then our, our Christmas gonna, for, episode. Our, it's usually a surprise, but... Oh, sorry. If, if you guys do is a Christmas it, episode. Yeah, if, if, if we, we do. If we did a Christmas If we do a Christmas, I, we might. We'll have to talk about that yeah, after we'll this episode. To, we'll have to have a... As long as Corey's here, we'll have to talk about that after we this should. episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows we put out a Christmas. We'll talk about it for like an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, give shout outs to our newest strangers. And those are Tina Bissonette, Adam Eldridge, Chris Palanz, and my adorable student, Emily Shong. What's up, Emily? She gave us stuff to try in the next Ooh. episode taste test. Okay. Yeah. Among like candies and oh, stuff cool. like that. And I left them locked in my desk and forgot about them. So we will try those next time. Lock your desk? I lock my desk. There's students in our room all the time. And oh, they knew where my Skittle bag was. So <laughs> Skittle bag. <laughs> Bouncing off the wall. Yeah. So I had to lock my desk. And I'm sorry. But... I forgot to say, if you don't want to sit through this. <laughs> <laughs> we forget this. Emily, you thank you so much. Right Emily, you. thank you for the candy and stuff so much. You are awesome. And I adore you. There you go. Um, yeah. If you don't want to listen to this part, like the taste test is coming up, just check the show notes. You can skip ahead to the topic. Yep. I need to have something literally right behind your head that says mention this. <laughs> Corey can stand back there with like cue I cards. F- I figure with the five producers over there and the sound engineers, somebody, somebody would at least. No, they're busy. Know. They're busy with the producing and, and the sound. The yeah. sound stuff. The sound stuff. <laughs> All I have for housekeeping is end of the season stuff. And we I don't just have mentioned any that. Housekeeping. Uh, we're going to start hitting you guys up next time for more listener stories because that is going to be our season finale. This season, and we've been getting some. Yeah, start lately. Of season five, six, six, six. It's season gonna be season six. six. Wow. I know, right? That's crazy. To it think. is crazy to think. We started in 2017. Yeah, dang. And I sent you the picture of the and school. I think we must have done two seasons in one year because we're like ahead season wise. 
Yeah. Because we've only the been... first season we only did like I think fifteen episodes. So yeah. But I sent you a picture of the school yesterday that there was just full of cars again. So the cadets are still there. I do not miss that at no. all. Corey, Corey and I were talking about that on the drive down here. Yeah. That it's a good thing we probably got out of there. Heck yeah. Um. I need to clean other... this room up though and order new chairs and a laptop. Do we have any other housekeeping? I don't think so. Strangers guy on YouTube, contact us if you hear this, because we kind of want to know if that was a listener or, I mean, granted, strangers and stay strange isn't super unique. So no, and just... I said it. I told Kurt because this is just how we are. It, I do a collaboration with the dude and get him more viewers, and we get more yeah. listeners. Like I'm never gonna hate on anybody for something like that. No. Well, there was also an issue early on with the movie The Strangers, right, where you thought you were getting some. No, there was another website, but it was like a serious. It was like group. a serious group about. Yeah. I don't remember what it was about racism or it, it was, was about like a support something. Group yeah. Or something. Oh wow! I thought yeah. it was like a movie, The Strangers. No, it was like, like a support group. For I mean, something. I'm sure we've and had that too. It was a support group for something. Then all of a sudden they come in. Uh, we we accept them, and then there's all pickle stuff. And they're like, "Why is so much pickle stuff on this wall?" <laughs> well, so. which is why we have questions. Yeah. And when they say yes to all three questions, we're which like, we get. No. We get a lot of ones that's just yes, yes, yes. And like, yeah, probably not let that person in. <laughs> no. Or make them a moderator <laughs> no, no, right no. away. You're a new moderator. Yes. Um. Do we jump? Want to jump right into the the package? Open the package first. Sure. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna need. While Krista's opening the package, should Corey uh, enjoy a thundersault? I don't know about enjoy. Corey is going to try the Dundersalt. And like I said, you you might not think it's that bad because Chris and I just didn't know what to expect. We were not prepared. There you go. Just oh pop God, it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's not good. No. Kurt and I were practically puking and Corey's like, it's not good. I told you his, his and I kept thinking. I mean, his I kept, face is priceless. I kept thinking we should have maybe took video. I kept he, thinking he it, spit it out like I kept five thinking it was going to get better, and it just never got better. No. How long did you keep it in? Maybe oh, we, it was maybe gone. about as long as you did not as you now, and then I right. finally gave up. We on kept kind of taking it out and putting it back in because we were like, "Is it as bad?" No, it's terrible. Yeah. I don't even really know how to like, describe how to it. Describe there it. is no way to describe like, that. Like weirdly salty, and it burns your tongue, kind of, and. It's there is awful. absolutely nothing that tastes like this. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, there isn't. It's indescribable. It does get better. Does it? Yes. Really? So we didn't get past the horrible layer. There's like a good layer. Uh, I don't know if I say good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different layer. Is it more licor- like licorice-y? He really can't describe it. No. I'm trying to think what it would be like. I know Eric from Norway was like. They have the like people in Norway love it. That's like a, like a huge candy in Norway. Yeah, maybe like a black licorice flavor, but but like a burnt, <laughs> burnt black licorice flavor. <laughs> that you're not selling me on it, Corey. <laughs> Once the initial salt flavor is gone, it's pretty easy to to eat. Is it? But the taste, it's it's impossible to describe. Yeah, we couldn't make it no. past the salt layer. Yeah, I didn't make it past. I because it tastes tried. like something you put in your toilet to dissolve like mildew <laughs> the and rust stuff. and mildew. <laughs> That's probably what they're doing is sending us like toilet tank tablets and we're eating them. They're like Tide Pods. Um, yeah, I, I have absolutely... Corey's, he's, he's, he's a trooper though. He, he is. is doing it. Thank it's goodness. not good. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not, not good. good. I'm not saying I won't have another one today, but... Maybe, maybe for the... If we were going to do a Christmas episode, maybe I'll try another one and see if I can last longer. Maybe I'll see if I can last longer. It'd be a Christmas miracle. It would be. Oh, I, black licorice mixed with bad syrup like moldy syrup 
it's not a burnt black that licorice. Is probably yeah, not burnt a black s- licorice and maybe like a year past due syrup. It's oh. probably not a slogan they should go with no. for that product. But not, kudos to you it's for it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Kudos to you for sticking it out. Yeah, the the end is like a pancake syrup, but okay. like a I'm gonna try one. Maybe like a during our hypo- Dollar Tree version for our hypothetical Christmas episode. Christmas episode. That now that I know now that I know it gets easier, we'll try it. Good it's job. Perseverance, yeah. Wow. Okay. This is our package from listener Roland. So there's a postcard in here. Oh, you want me to read that? Yep, let me take a picture. Oop. Of course, going to town on his Dundersald. I got to the very end, it tastes like a butterscotch disc. <laughs> That's so Oh, see, weird. I could be okay with that. I love butterscotch. Krista and Kurt, my wife and I just celebrated our honeymoon in Positano. A city, Positano, Positano, oh, a city Italy. on Italy's Amalfi Coast. Krista so is super jealous. I wonder no if they idea. went past, like, I don't know, the Vatican. Maybe they went past the Vatican. Hmm. hmm. Wonder how that would tie into this episode. I knew while out here that I would have to grab y'all some snacks and a postcard as a thanks for all the hard work you do. Well, thank you. Your podcast is a particular type of comfort and community that I love being a part of. Postcards don't have much room on them, but I hope you enjoy the sentiment and candy from Roland. Thank you so much, that, Roland. I can't believe I'm about to eat something directly from Italy. <laughs> Greece is my so... first bucket list. Italy is my second bucket list. And by I the love way, that postcard, too. Yeah. I love that postcard. That's the Amalfi Coast. Bottle of wine in that package? Yeah, That'd right? Nice. That's cool. Um, and Roland, by the way, was named after Roland of the Dark Tower book series by Stephen King, which we're Both huge Kristen, fans I of. I love. Yes. Okay, ready? ready to see Thank you so much for the postcard, Roland. Oh, and what do we got? Hard candy, Kurt. I can, I, I, for listeners that don't know, I broke a tooth this huh. week eating trail mix. So Italy is known for its lemons because the climate there is oh. just like, and they have these lemons there that are like the size of grapefruits. I, I definitely want to try one of those because yeah. I love anything so lemon. So this is a Positano lemon flavored candy. Nice. So I'll take a picture of this bag. Are we going to do this? Are we going to do the Norwegian candy or are we going to do the the Mexican candy? Can we do Norwegian? If Corey's here, let's do I'm Mexican. I'm just so tired of tomato spicy flavored if candy. If Corey's here, let's do Mexican. Fine, we can. We'll do but... we'll hold we'll do Norwegian for our, our if we ever do a Christmas episode this season. We'll hypothetical. do hypothetical. We'll do <laughs> Norwegian for the Christmas. Okay. I'm just I'll take that one. Dagger. Right. Ceremonial dagger. Yeah, for li- uh, listeners, I broke a tooth this week, and I was super upset and annoyed about it. Eating trail mix, I bit down on an almond and cracked a tooth, so... And now he needs a crown. And now I need a crown. So you're going to be with like With money that I'm not 100% sure where I'm going to come up with, but... Do you have dental insurance? Yes, and but I'm not sure. We're going to see like how that goes. like a right? Corey's going to... Did you already eat it? I'm still working on the Dundersalt. <laughs> He's still taking the Dundersalt down. Do you need like a palate cleanser? <laughs> I, got a, I got a Red Bull. That'll okay. work. <laughs> Taking a picture of the candy. That is a hefty candy. That's like a thick candy. This might take us a while. Okay. You ready? I, you it's going to be good. Like, I love lemon. Well, mine actually kind of cracked in half, so this is good. Yeah, I, I love lemon, I, I too. I love lemon stuff. Me, too. Ready? Oh, ready. it smells very lemony. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. It has an interesting texture. It's, like, really smooth. Yeah, it's... I just drooled a little. <laughs> <laughs> she did just drool a little. Wow, it's really lemony. But it's really good. Yeah, it is really good. Like, I wonder if it's like actual like lemon. 
Oh, gonna yeah. record the. If only I were Mexican fluent. candy. I'm Italian. Oh, we're videotape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? We forgot to videotape <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah we'll I guess Mexican we will. Candy. Well, I'm still struggling to figure out how we're gonna get all three of us on video, but we'll work it out. I'll go in the back room. I said I'll opt out. No, no. Nobody wants to see this. No, nope. yes, I'll, I'll go in the back room. Okay. This is mm. a really good lemon candy. Mm-hmm. Like it can be hit or miss with lemon candy, but I love lemony things. So the outside of the candy almost was a little more sour, and as you go in, it's sweeter. This is good. Mm-hmm. I like uh, lemon starbursts, even though most people don't. Mm. The yellow ones, I like them. I'm not really into starbursts, but I get it. I like the pink ones though. Mm, everybody likes pink ones. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm gonna crunch it. I'm not gonna crunch it. I already mm. busted a tooth. Sorry, listeners. This is annoying. I'm just going to keep sucking. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> oh, so many. So <laughs> many drugs. So many levels. So, the Mexican candy? Yeah. I really, and then I will really get the camera set up. wanted to try that sucker oh. you guys had. No, you didn't. Because I was talking to Kurt. It, to me, the way you guys described it made it sound like it was going to be like a Bloody Mary. No. 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 And and the, the sad part is is you know there was another layer of flavor underneath, but we just couldn't it was like the dunder salt. We couldn't get to it because it was just so disgusting. I just don't understand why everything's tomato flavored. <laughs> candy shouldn't taste like tomatoes. Or they're just using the word candy very loosely. Oh, did you opinion. get a fizz when you've been into yours? No. I just got a fizz. But I didn't oh look it. There's yep. a center that I didn't get yep. to. Well dang, I'm gonna take a picture of that. My lemon candy had like a hole in it, and then all of a sudden the fizz just came out. Maybe you kind of have to bite into it. No, I want to taste yeah. the fizz. Kurt, did you get the fizz in your lemon? Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Corium. <laughs> That's crazy. Ho- hopefully you're okay with this. And it's very sour. Hopefully you are okay with this. Oh, I got to remember to clean up so we don't get antsy. Right, I got to take my lemony sucker out because we're going to do this one now. Do you want the I feel very camera? Yeah. Hopefully you're okay with this. I get, I spared Krista and I, I think. <laughs> think. <laughs> we'll see. I believe we're recording. I think we are. Isn't there usually something that like flashes though? Usually that, bl- that blue light flashes. Okay, there's a blue light okay, I think we're probably good. <laughs> we'll figure this out. Amateurs. We have Pulparindo. Uh. It's a candy. <laughs> there is one that is labeled Extra Picante. So Corey's going to get the extra picante. Do you like spicy stuff? Yeah. Okay. So you and I, I think, aren't picante. <laughs> I'm picante. We've Corey's, tasted this already, Corey's right? muy picante. Muy. I don't know if we've tasted these yet or not. It's it's tamarind flavored, and I love tamarind flavored stuff. I'm making a face. No, tamarind flavored stuff is good. Okay. Tamarind. Oh, no, I'm confusing that with lychee candy. Wow. Or lychee. Words aren't even remotely similar. <laughs> no. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. No, but yes. Corey's gets a picante. Muy. <laughs> Muy. Muy picante. I feel Extra like we've picante. tasted something at least named like very this. similar to this. Are you ready? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> just keep saying no. Are we going to sniff it? Yes. Ugh, this doesn't smell promising. A weird tomatoey scent again. Yeah, it's good. it doesn't smell promising. <laughs> they grow a lot of tomatoes in Mexico. <laughs> I feel like. Muy spicy, and I can't even open it. It's so spicy. That's I a sign. Even... The universe is saying, don't eat it, so Corey. So spicy, I can't even open it. I guess I should take a picture of that. It just smells like my finger. 
don't even know. I don't even know what to go with. Where to go with that? Halfway melted into the oh. plastic. There we go. You ready? It was so hot it melted the <laughs> stuff around it. Ready. One. Oh, that's not bad. Oh. Okay, it's got a funky little aftertaste. It started off cherry. I can't really explain it. Everything has like this weird savory tomatoey note to it. <laughs> like I get a fruit I note. know what tamarind tastes like and this tastes like tamarind. But it does have that weird, it has that weird. It's like the same note in all of the candy, but yeah. I can't really place that I call tomatoey, but it could just be it's like like an You're acidic su- flavor. Oh, I just got a weird mouth thing from can't it. Can't wait. <laughs> spice is starting to kick in. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Did we taste spicy ones? I don't like this. Have we liked any of the Mexican candy? I think maybe one. It's I mean, I'm sorry. Thank you for sending us the candy. Dominique. Thank you, Dominique. I'm sorry that we hate all of it. Yeah, this is a weird... Like, I like the taste of tamarind. Like, I'm not, I don't need to spit it out mm-hmm. bad, but... No, but it's not something that I'm enjoying a lot. It's so, a, like, the soft outer part is going away, and now it's getting to, like, But the, it's like a weird spiciness to it. I'm getting, like, a weird spiciness now. Like, on the tip of your tongue. Like, in the back of my throat, I'm getting, like, a weird... Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, now I'm getting that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you took a cherry and dipped it in, <coughs> like, pizza sauce <laughs> and threw some, like, Frank's Red Hot. <laughs> that is a, not a selling point. You're you're onto something, though, because I feel like hot sauce has that tangy note mm-hmm. to it, and this has that tangy. Why is it spicy? Like, this is hurting my throat a little bit now. It is. It's burning my throat a little. Wow. Yours must be really hot. Well, he's well, better. I guess it's all, like... Ugh. Yeah, I mean, if you're into hot stuff, which I, I do like spicy stuff, I just bought hot sauce. Alfredo and oh. put Frank's Red Hot on it. Mm. So I need yeah, to finish I mean, this and get the like lemon candy. I like spicy. I need to get lemon candy back in my face hole because that one was a good at least. For being movie spicy, it's sorry. We're not even looking at the camera. This is not. This is not good. The one time I remember to turn it on and hit record. I don't. I'm not liking it. it. I'm giving Ugh. it. A, I'm giving it a sideways. Thumb. Giving it a thumbs up. <laughs> I'm giving it a thumbs down because it's burning my throat. Well, we didn't even rate the lemon candy. I would rate the lemon candy like an a nine. I'm giving it a seven. I'll give it an eight. All right. What would you give the dunder salt? Uh, initially starting out, probably a three or four. And then towards the end, it did taste like a butterscotch disc <laughs> can of candy. <laughs> I, I don't like the patience to I get to uh, the butterscotch. Uh, uh-uh. I'm, I'm giving going, this. I'm just tapping out. I'm tapping out on that one. It, it's burning my throat worse and worse. Not I'm everything. I'm giving this like a six. Not everything needs to like be. I'm like a seven. I, 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 I don't hate this. it. Yeah. Not everything needs to be Bernie. I don't like it. I'm giving that a <laughs> two. Is it harsh in your mellow? It harshed my mellow. And it, uh, Man. And now my nose is running. Uh, catch it. I'm giving that a two. Okay. I have a I'm big putting mess the I lemon back in my mouth to cleanse my palate. <clears throat> okay. Well, if you have any extra muy spicy, I'll take them off your hands unless you want to keep them. Well, maybe we'll try another one from there for our alleged Christmas episode. I just don't feel like recording a Christmas episode. Should we skip it? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, are we done with the taste test? Yeah. Bye. Uh, no. The SD card is probably in my computer. So there is no video again. It's right here. Yep, there is no video again. <laughs> I could always record it for the supposed oh hypothetical God. Christmas episode. Christmas mm-hmm. episode. Oh, now I got the fizz. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. It's sour when it comes in. Oh, my God, that is. I don't know if, I don't know if I'm a fan yeah. of that either. Okay, I'm taking this. I'm out. still liking this. Mooey. 
Fuego. Yuck. Too spicy. I hope that people like us for our imperfections and the fact that I, I hope can't so. <laughs> take a video to save my life. Let's jump right in then. Okay. <laughs> so today is a, a mini mystery. <laughs> Sorry, Corey just spit his thing into his Today uh... <laughs> Today's mini mystery, uh, because I talked about <laughs> Fatima, Fatima, Fatima last time. We are sticking with that for my part of this story, but we decided to just do a Vatican episode, a mm-hmm. Vatican mini mystery. So Corey came on to tell us some Vatican stuff. He's going to learn us on the Vatican. All right. Well, Vatican City is an independent city-state and enclave located within Rome, Italy. The Vatican city-state, simply known as the Vatican from now on, became independent from Italy with the Lateran Treaty of 1929, and it itself is a distinct territory. It's a sovereign entity of international law, which maintains that the city's spiritual independence, diplomatic independence. Oh, I'm sorry. This, this Kurt's is having so, a really bad this reaction. This is so to sour. The I'm dying over here. Oh my <laughs> did you, god. Did you dying. get to the center? Yeah. Uh, oh, I can't even do that either. <laughs> can't have anything spicy. And you can't or have anything sour. Or oh my fizzy. god, that was sour. <laughs> I'm just gonna taste test saltines. Kurt's tapped it out. <laughs> oh, that was Salty. super sour. My poor mouth. Okay, sorry to interrupt. No, it's fine. Uh, basically, it's just saying it's independent from all of Rome and Italy's laws. It's an area of 100, 121 <laughs> acres, and it only has a population that fluctuates between 825 and 1,000. It's the smallest city-state in the world, both by area and population. So is that like s- private citizens or just people who live and work Basically, within it's the Vatican. like the papacy and okay. the Swiss guard that guard it and all that stuff. Okay. But there are some... You know, year-long residents. It's just weird that it's its own thing. Yeah. Right. Uh, Area-wise, it's the size of Central Park in New York, if anybody's ever been there or saw a map Mm -hmm. of it. It's not very big. It's governed by what they call the Holy See, S-E-E. It's the Vatican city-state, and it's an ecclesiastical, or here comes, sacerdotal monarchial state, which is a type of theocracy ruled by the Pope, who is the Bishop of Rome and the head of the Catholic Church. I didn't know the Pope was also a bishop. Yeah. Hmm. I, I think suppose you have to be a bishop, bishop to, to be, be the pope. pope. Okay. Uh, the highest state functionaries are all Catholic clergy of various national origins. After the Avignon Papacy of 1309 to 1437, the Popes have mainly resided at the Apostolic Apostolic palace within what is now the Vatican City, although at times residing instead in the Quineral Palace in Rome or sometimes elsewhere. I have some of these words in mind too. So, yeah. uh, The Vatican Apostolic Archive, known until October 2019 as the Vatican Secret Archive, but secret is a mistranslation. It's actually supposed to kind of mean private. Okay. So we think that's maybe where a lot of this secret stuff started to happen. Oh, yeah, but once that word comes out, people, yeah, then are people like, oh, start thinking secret. secret. It's actually mm-hmm. a kind of a mistranslation of private. Uh, it's the central repository in the Vatican City of all acts promulgated by the Holy See. The Pope, as sovereign of Vatican City, owns the material held in the archive until his death or resignation, with ownership passing to his successor. That's weird that he actually owns that stuff. Yep. 
The archive also contains state papers, correspondence, account books, and many other documents that the church has accumulated over the centuries. It's like he's a pr- a pr- the president of a tiny country. Yeah, basically, <laughs> basically, that's, basically that's, that's, that's what, what it is. is. That's exactly what it is. Uh, in the 17th century, 17th century, under the orders of Pope Paul V, the secret archive was separated from the Vatican Library, where scholars had some very limited access and remained closed to outsiders until the late 19th century. When Pope Leo XIII opened the archive to researchers, more than a thousand of whom now examine some of its documents each year. In the last few years, the archive has been open a few times. In 2002, Pope John Paul II allowed scholars access to documents from the historical archives of the Secretariat of State pertaining to the Holy See's relations with Germany during the pontification of Pope Pius XI in order to put, quote, an end to unjust and thoughtless speculation, unquote, about the church's relationship with the Nazi party. Don't. (laughs) I did not see that coming. No. Following the success of the 2008 film Angels and Demons, adapted from the Dan Brown novel of the same name, which depicts a visit to the archive, the Vatican opened the archives to a select group of journalists, in 2010 to dispute the film's treatment of the Vatican. In 2018, Pope Francis ordered the Vatican Archive to open documents which would assist in a thorough study concerning former Cardinal Theodore McCarrick, who was accused of sexually molesting seminarians and having affairs with young priests. Pope Francis announced on the 4th of March 2019 that materials related to Pope Pius XII would be opened on the 2nd of March 2020, stating that some prejudice or exaggeration about his legacy will need to be debated and even criticized, and that, quote, the church is not afraid of history, unquote. And he anticipated appropriate criticism. In, in addition to assessing Pius's response to the Holocaust, in 2006, members of the archives department have been organizing the estimated 16 million pages of documents <laughs> in order to prepare them for viewing by researchers. It's a lot of pages of documents. Right, and this yep. is all like hard copies. It's oh, not yeah. like this is in some kind of computer database nope. somewhere. Wow. Don't mind me if I'm taking pictures throughout. Uh, the Vatican Apostolic Archive has been estimated to contain 53 miles of shelving. <laughs> Holy cow. With 35,000 volumes in the selective catalog alone spanning 12 centuries. So 53 miles for us Wisconsinites is about from downtown to Sheboygan to about downtown Milwaukee. Or give or take a 45 to 50 minute drive, or if Kurt's driving, about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a lot of shelving. Holy yeah. buckets. And how many people were going to do this? Uh, they allow 60 people in a year, I think. Hmm. I, I can just see all the bishops later. rushing around, hiding all the top secret stuff <laughs> yeah, that we're not supposed to know about. Shoving stuff under Shoving their robes. Shoving stuff under, under their robes. <laughs> Under floorboards. Oh, here we go. Uh, Qualified scholars from institutions of higher education pursuing scientific research with an adequate knowledge of archival research may apply for an entry card. Scholars need an introductory letter from either a recognized institute of research or a suitably qualified person in their field for historical research. I'm guessing the strain sessions wanting to come in and think we're gonna cut look it. at stuff. No. That's not going to cut it. You can't even handle a lemon candy. <laughs> yeah, I dropped my lemon rating down from an eight to a four because that was just way too sour. The, the fizz was the cool. The fizzy center. The fizzy center. Uh, applicants need to provide their personal data, like name, address, and all that, as well as the purpose of their research. 
Only 60 researchers per day are allowed inside. Per day? Per day. So you could have 60 different people every day? Yep. Yeah. Okay. And with limited ex- exceptions, material dated after 1939 were unavailable to researchers, researchers until the 2nd of March 2020, when material from Pope Pius XII's tenure, 1939 to 1958, were opened. An entire section of the archives relating to the personal affairs of cardinals from 1922 onwards cannot be ex- accessed ever. Wow. I don't know why. The That's a little sketchy. Cardinals, <laughs> what kind of personal affairs? Are we talking about like. I don't know if they write journals mm-hmm. or everything that gets yeah. signed gets a copy and gets thrown into an archives. Mm. But I'm basically looking at it like a library where there's shelves on numerous sides. Yeah. And they're all cataloged and it's like old manuscripts. Old books. I know they talk, or I'll be talking about it later, about like whether they have um, chalices or, you know, gold crosses. artifacts. Yeah. Okay. I'm assuming that stuff's also in there as well. So then this goes into the possible list of all these, quote unquote, secret things that may be in there. Um, And there's a lot of stuff that comes up. This Vatican having... You know, they always, talk, they always talk about like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark where they wheel the Ark into that huge warehouse and seal it up. And the, the people say that's kind of what they feel like the Vatican is like. Like it has all these things. Mm-hmm. The Ark uh, of the Covenant and like all kinds yeah, of stuff. Like the Spear of Longinus. Yeah. All that kind yep. of stuff. Yep. Um, the Spear of Destiny. Hitler, yep. Hitler was looking for that supposedly. So one thing that's supposed to be in there is something called a chronovisor chronovisor yeah. i guess this was, just... this was one thing that i stumbled across researching another topic and i was like this is nuts i'm gonna have to save that for a future one <laughs> so I'll probably just end up saying chronovisor all the time so i'll just go with that if that's not the way it is i'd say chronovisor too all right chronovisor um it's said to be a device that gives the user the ability to see through time it's made of cathode <laughs> Chris, that just okay was like, i was not expecting that <laughs> it's made of cathode rays antenna and metals that receives sound and light signals on all <laughs> it's like, wavelengths. It's like a TV from the 70s, yeah. basically. Uh, the chronovisor purportedly allows the team of scientists to document events of the past, including the crucifixion, crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The machine, therefore, could validate the teachings of the Bible simply by providing a first-hand look into the past. Through its existence of providing a first-hand look into the past, the chronovisor has never been proven. And a 2002 book by the Vatican priest, Father Francois Brunet, titled Le Nouveau Mystery du Vatican, says otherwise. According to Brunet, the chronovisor was developed by Father Pellegrino Ernetti, a Benedictine monk. Ernetti allegedly kept the device secret until the early 1960s when he confided in Brunet and told him that 12 scientists, including famed physicist Enrico Fermi, and former Nazi scientist Werner von Braun helped him to build it. Bruni explains how he met Father Ernetti on a boat ride across Venice's Grand Canal in the early 1960s. Like Bruni, Ernetti was well-versed in the history of languages, which made for a natural conversation. But soon, Ernetti directed their chat towards science. According to Ernetti, the device had several antennae, three of which were made with quote-unquote mysterious metals, that picked up sound and light waves across from the entire respective spectrums. A direction finder on the device was a screen that allegedly was tuned into a specific era that one wanted to view. 
and it displayed it, and a recording device captured the footage. So, so like, it's basically like a TV. It looks with, like a VCR. Time. Yeah, that looks through time. That looks through time and records it. But how does it? What? Go on. <laughs> I got some. Que- I just have some questions about that. So therefore, the, the chronovisor was thus more of a window into the past than quote unquote a time machine. Ernetti said it worked like a television, catching echoes from days long gone that had been quote unquote floating in space, and he claimed to have seen some astonishing things. Ernetti recounted how he witnessed. Marcus Tullius's Cicero speech to the Roman Senate in 63 BC, and he says, quote, his gestures, his intonation, how powerful they were, what flights of oratory, unquote. <laughs> so what, what time period are we talking about here that he, they're claiming this thing exists? The 60s. 60s. 60s, okay. Which but, I think would be right around the time where a lot of things like this started to come into like view. Like TVs and stuff like this. Yeah. But my question is, what are they seeing like like actual images are they like is it like watching well, according a movie? to this he saw cicero's speech so he's yeah, seeing what somebody is, in what front is of shooting that that you're seeing that just through the ether of time he's yeah. able to pull it <laughs> but it doesn't make sense because it's like how do you see what's going on in this area and then see what's going on in that area like, how do you tune that? Like, Oh, a, right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to like see going from, like, channel Christ. two to channel three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how you focus it. I, yeah. That doesn't really go into a whole This always makes me think of that. the show Fringe, where, uh, I don't want to give any super spoilers, but Walter Bishop has that thing that can see into the parallel universe, and that's what starts the whole chain off with him getting uh, his son from the parallel universe. Hmm. But that's what this reminds me of, is watching a screen where you're seeing into instead of a parallel universe it's in time back yeah, does in it time. just randomly show you stuff or can you choose what you want to see yeah, like it says that it has three antenna made of mysterious metals <laughs> and it has like this directional finder that i don't know like i said somehow it just pulls out stuff floating from, around in space yeah, from the ether and he's able to focus it i don't uh ernetti made additional increasingly bolder claims such as having observed the actual crucifixion of jesus christ And then from the founding of the Roman Empire to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Ernetti Ernetti alleged that he and his team were able to take a peek into some of the most important events in the Bible. On May 2nd, 1972, an Italian publication called La Domenica dei Corriere published his claim titled, quote, A machine that photographs the past has finally been invented. The article covered Ernetti's shocking statements for all of Italy to read. Uh, alongside the claims, the magazine published an alleged photograph from the chronovisor that Ernetti claimed captured the Romans crucifying Jesus Christ. The ni- I, I've seen some pictures online yeah. of supposed. Yeah, I looked what at a couple of them like? too. Like a TV with. It's like a grainy B grade movie set kind of thing. Hmm. I don't know how he would have faked chronovisor it. Chronovisor images. This is reminding me of the episode. We- Interesting. What is that supposed to be? Jesus, supposed to be Jesus? Jesus being led to the crucifixion. And this is Jesus on the cross. Well, that's morbid. Yeah. Hmm. We'll maybe post those in the group. Weird. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they claim to capture the Romans crucifying Jesus Christ, which is the picture that Kurt just showed us. The 1972 article also purported to have witnessed the Last Supper and kept a photograph of the biblical event for himself as a souvenir. Brunetti maintained until his death in 1994 that the machine had been hidden away by the Vatican in order to safeguard it from falling into the wrong hands. 
Interestingly, the Vatican decreed in 1988 that, quote, anyone using an instrument of such characteristics would be excommunicated, unquote. Wow. <laughs> and then shortly before he died, Ernani wrote an open letter adamantly reiterating that the device was real. He claimed that Pope Pius X forbade us to disclose any details about this device because the machine was very dangerous and it can restrain any freedom of man. Dang. I, that's an in- interesting idea, though, because if it really shows what really truly happened, how, I guess that destroy if if the narrative is false in the Bible or whatever the case may yeah. be or whatever you're trying to look at, yeah, it could destroy a lot of ideas. And that that's one of the theories about people think that that's why they Vatican hides stuff is because it, it it shows shed that light on the truth. It sheds light on the truth that, that we what don't the want. Bible says didn't yep. really happen. And that's one of the other things I get to is. Being able, they have enough things in the Vatican archive to show or disprove yeah. that Jesus Christ actually existed, yeah. or all the things leading up to the Bible actually yeah. happened or not. And mm-hmm. that's one of the theories about this. The Chronovision, I, I don't remember what I was looking at when I stumbled across that, and I'm like, this is just nuts. Hmm. Like, yeah. I'd never heard anything about that no. before. But it's it, when you type Chronovisor, Chronovision in your Google, it, that all that stuff com- comes up about this yeah. so-called TV. It does sound the... like a brand of television from like the 60s. <laughs> at the end, when we get into what we think, I'll be able to bring some more information okay. to it. So. Okay. Uh, the next thing supposedly hidden in the Vatican is the Grand Grimoire. This this is this was one I threw at you the first time because yeah. I thought about doing a mini mystery on the Grand Grimoire myself. Um, it's sometimes referred to as the Red Dragon or the Gospel of Satan. <laughs> it's a medieval grimoire believed to possess immense powers. According to legend, it was written by an apocryphal figure by the name of Honorius of Thebes, who is claimed to have been possessed by Satan himself. I'm Dang. guessing Hitler wanted to get his hands on that one. Probably. I don't think he wants anything that was in there. <laughs> right. Um, it's said to be one of the most potent occult books in his existence and contains instructions for the summoning of demons. The grimoire is often said to have been written during the 16th century. And then during the 18th century, there was a uh, cheap grimoire boom. Everybody was making these grimoires in <laughs> France. Of course. And a version of the Grand Grimoire was produced and then published in the following century. The original Grand Grimoire, or a copy thereof, however, is still said to be kept in the Vatican archives and is not currently or will ever be available to the public. While the exact origin of the word Grimoire is still being debated, it is generally accepted today that it's derived from the old French word Grammaire, and this word, which literally translates to grammar, was used as a reference to books in general, especially those that were written in Latin. Over time, however, the meaning of the term evolved and eventually became associated with the occult. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the word grimoire is today the name given to textbooks used in any occult. I just remember from like Magic the Gathering cards. Yep. (laughs) Uh, The contents of such grimoires normally provide its users with instructions for the creation of magical amulets and talismans, instructions for the casting of magic spells, and even rituals for the summoning of supernatural beings such as angels and demons. The work is divided into two books. The first book contains instructions for summoning a demon and for the construction of tools for which to force the demon to do your bidding. The second (laughs) book is further divided into two parts, the Sanctum Regnum and the second part, Secrets. One of the instructions that would supposedly allow a person to summon Lucifer. And then one of the instruments required for the ritual is called a blasting rod which would be used to smite Lucifer into submission once he is evoked. 
after this. <laughs> that is some serious about business. playing with fire. That is some serious business there. And after this, a deal with the devil may be made. Amongst other things, the person conducting these rituals would require a stone called a emetili, emetilier, and two blessed candles. Grayson and I have to look for one of those. <laughs> there we go. At the crystal store yeah. next time. And then once you have both of these, they would be used to form a triangle of packs so that he or she may be protected from the spirits that have been summoned. Dang. It almost sounds like a book of shadows, yeah. which is, a you know, it yeah. contains rituals. But and are you, are you done kind of with the grimoire stuff? Yeah. I remember seeing like, people saying that they they've seen like actually they've actually held the original you know like i, I don't want to say marilyn manson or but it was like famous rock stars or famous occultists like alistair crowley or whatever but i remember hearing people say that they've gotten glimpses of the actual original where i don't know hmm. i don't know like if there was that big grimoire boom in france and whatever century it was i'm sure there's a bunch that you know, probably well, are then, hundreds of years old yeah. or whatever. Yeah, but, but maybe who knows? Not the maybe if there is an original one, maybe yeah. there are some original ones floating around that were made during the grimoire boom. No, and to me, thinking about it in any kind of movie or TV show, I'm expecting a real thick, like leather bound uh-huh. black yeah. book with or these red. old pages. I, don't know, I think red. <laughs> I always think red yeah. with like a yeah. face, red. like a contorted face looking thing on the yeah. front, like and in the Evil like Dead movies or whatever. silver hinges. Yeah. And like you something take some straight kind out of Harry Potter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> the way I look much. at it. I mean, and you could see if that would be something that actually does exist. They definitely but won't want There's a lot of, like when I was looking this, like both of these things that you mentioned so far, I've looked into a little bit and there's a lot of people that do think this one might really exist. Yeah. When you I was... know, but it doesn't, can you actually summon Lucifer with it? I According don't know, to this, but but, but yeah, the I blasting. I feel like Lucifer is somebody that you can't tell what to do. Well, if you got a blasting rod, apparently you can. If he's an actual can. thing, I don't know. About. Yeah, if you got a blasting uh-huh. rod and force him into submission, I mean, it makes me think of like the Illuminati. If it that's makes me a think thing. of the show Supernatural. That's what it makes me think of. Like if the Illuminati is a thing, the people in that elite group may have had the opportunity to view something like you know yeah. what I mean. You know, when I first started looking into it, I thought they were kind of confusing it with the. the Necromonon? Yeah, ne- nec- necron- Necromonicon. Wow. Yeah, that's what it is. That's and I thought awful. maybe they were just the same thing with different different titles, but they're apparently two different things. Well, that's like summoning the dead. Well, necromancy like the is dead. summoning the dead. The dead. Okay. Yeah. But no, this one you could supposedly summon Lucifer. That this is how you would summon Lucifer was with the grand. Yeah, it sounds like you can do like smaller versions of angels and demons, and you can do you know. So it doesn't have to be the big, the big guy right off the bat. The big guy. So. <laughs> Dang. Okay. All right, some of the other things that are supposedly are in the Vatican archives. Which one of them is going to be mine that I'm going to be talking about after yep, yours? I specifically missed that one. Did you? Okay. Uh, notes and books related to exorcisms. Mm. While in the age of modern psychology and neuroscience, it would be easy to dismiss exorcism as something from the Middle Ages and horror movies. The truth is the practice is alive and well within the Catholic Church. In fact, Father Gabriel... Amorth, the former chief exorcist of the Vatican who died only in 2016, claimed to have performed a staggering 130,000 exorcisms in his time. Dang, that's a lot of exorcisms. Especially when you think about, like, there, you have to meet, like, really big, strict requirements yeah. to qualify for an exorcism. Yep. And that one person did 130,000? That many people have been possessed. But you would think you would know someone personally who was exercised in that many people 000, were. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how many didn't go well, go well. I don't know. Well, and that's just one person who can do exorcisms. There's other, yeah. you know, yep. how many? I don't know. That's crazy. That's shocking to me. 
Um, as further evidence, casting out demons isn't just a thing of the past. The BBC reports in 2018 that the Vatican welcomed 250 priests from around the world to an annual exorcism school because the church believes that there has been an uptick in demonic possessions in the recent years. I remember, I remember coming across that fact. In so our... yeah, they, they invited 250, so it's not just that one dude that was out there yeah. you know, getting mm-hmm. a call every time. Yep. Even Pope Francis himself said people, quote, must not hesitate, unquote, to see an exorcist in the case of general spiritual disturbances, unquote. Despite the controversy tied to the exorcisms due to its sensational nature and claims of abuse in their execution, such rites have been carried out even by popes in modern times. According to Father Amorth, John Paul II tried and failed to drive a demon out of a woman who was brought before him in St. Peter's Square, screaming, writhing, and drooling in the year 2000. Father Remorse claims this woman was still possessed when he saw her later in the day, as evidenced by her ability to walk up the wall like Spider-Man. <laughs> That'll do it. Nope. <laughs> so he had to finish off what John Paul II couldn't. Likewise, Father Remorse claimed that Benedict the Fourteenth slammed the devil out of two guys in 2009, like and body slam, <laughs> power slam, choke slam, slam, like choke slam the, the devil really. off the corner rope. <laughs> yep. And there is enough evidence to suspect that Pope Francis may have performed a public exorcism on a man in a wheelchair in 2013. Wow, a public exorcism? Yep. It just seems to go against so much what you hear about yeah. exorcisms. Wow, that's it for exorcisms. So, hmm. I, mean, I I thought that there was something that. You kind of see in like the movies where they call a guy, but it sounds like there's there, they, they legitimately do this. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I don't know. They try to rule mental health is like the first thing yeah. they try to rule out first. First yeah. thing they try to rule out first. I feel like you. It, it's. I thought exorcisms were rare because, I mean, they will not do one unless they can absolutely prove that everything else has been ruled out. Yeah, so it's really shocking nuts. to me, yeah. and it's something that happens behind closed doors. <laughs> But I could, I could understand public. why they'd want to keep it secret. They right. don't want people knowing that how easy how it is to, it. to yeah, yeah, how you do it or how well, easy it is to I get possessed. I imagine it would be a very dangerous thing, yeah. too. I keep thinking of, was it Constantine, the movie? With, yeah. I think he was... Keanu. Yeah, Keanu. <laughs> I think he was the one doing something like that. Yeah. It, it's Like he wasn't qualified for it? What? I don't remember exactly like That's the plot, movie, but I remember yeah. him like driving demons out. And I remember him, like, the beginning of the movie, he goes to an exorcism. Like, he performs it, and then, like, the demon runs out a window or something like that. And it's just crazy to think that if they're going to make that many movies and shows about exorcisms, that there has to be enough proof, and it happens to happen enough that I think it happens more often than people realize, but I think it's not not publicized. And I could see why they would hold on to this information. Yeah, yeah, I could, too. I'm sure they're keeping notes, or somebody's keeping notes, and... You thought, okay, this is something that stopped in the 1600s or 1700s. Yeah. Oh, but no, yeah, no, yeah They're yeah. still doing it up until about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next thing would be religious artifacts, from the cross that Jesus Christ died on, to the Holy Grail, to the Ark of the Covenant, to Noah's Ark. Pretty much every single Christian artifact has been rumored to be stored somewhere within the Vatican secret archive. However, it has also been rumored that less well-known and bizarre religious artifacts are hidden away there as well. Some are so bizarre that it is unlikely that the common layperson has ever even heard of them. Some of the less weird ones are Jesus's foreskin. Oh, I've heard about that. The actual non-degraded body of Christ, or even the crown of thorns that Jesus wore during his crucifixion. Yeah, I I, I don't remember where I came across Jesus's foreskin, but that is supposedly something that 
<laughs> they have. I don't know. Why Why would you have that? Or why would it even be I don't know. something you would take from him? I don't know. Uh, just, but I, mean, but I, I did hear the crown of thorns, too. And you think about, think about all the, the old school churches around there. Almost every church has some kind of... Uh, piece of the cross or yeah. a rumored piece of the cross yeah. right. or a rumored yeah. piece of the spear or a rumored mm-hmm. piece of a saint even yeah. something like that hmm. but it but they should like, do dna testing 23 and me see if we're all like <laughs> we should. but the spear i know the spear was a big one the, the spear that pierced christ's side that that the spear of destiny that hitler wanted because you can supposedly rule whoever has it can rule the world i mean if you're in a if you're a church too it makes sense to say that you have something that's so sacred that you don't people are going to want to come to your church, yeah. and when they come, they donate money. Yeah. Or if you say you have this, you know, shin bone of Jesus. Yep. You know that toenail. <laughs> Jesus's big toenail. <laughs> that you know you get parishioners, you get money. Yeah. And yep. you can build up your church, and you get a following. So it's yeah, but then you sure. gotta weigh that against not showing people this thing. Right. They're not gonna actually get to no, see the thing that attracted them. No, because they're gonna think that them. it's just a hoax. Or they're behind such glass that yeah. it's only taken out once a year or yeah. some kind of special ceremony. Yep. I also think, and I don't mean to say this in a negative way, people who would actually go to a church to, because of something like that are a little bit blinded by religion, their faith. So, yeah. so, you know, believers. Yeah, that, they yeah. want to believe so badly. Yeah. They, they don't really, yep. they look away when things don't add up maybe. All right. The next thing is the bones of St. Peter. In 1939, nine separate pieces of bone were found under St. Peter's Basilica, the largest church in the world, and the center of the Vatican city-state. Even more surprisingly, the bones have been said to have been found in an unassuming, humble shoebox. In 2013, Pope Francis presented the bones to the public in a Sunday service before locking them away again. They have not been seen in the public since. Hmm. No one knows if they are really the bones of St. Peter. Scholars and skeptics are, well, skeptical. (laughs) <laughs> However, instead of showing the bones publicly or allowing scholars to test their claims, the Vatican has locked them away from any further public viewings. The Vatican claims that this is because of a supposed 1,000-year-old curse for those who disturb the peace of St. Peter's tomb. But skeptics believe this is just merely an excuse. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sure. Tell anybody something's cursed and they're not going to go looking yeah. for it, yeah. right? And that goes along with what we said before with having bones, yeah. and it, whether it's from a saint or, you know, just whatever is going to get people to come to your church. Mm-hmm. Another thing is the secular historical proof of Jesus's existence or non-existence. Allegedly somewhere deep within the Vatican secret archive, there is evidence of either Jesus's existence or the lack thereof. Supposedly inside the Vatican's archive, there is a recorded conversation between an emperor Nero of Rome and St. Paul, the disciple transcribed in some form. If this is true, then potentially depending on the conversation's contents, it could theoretically either undeniably confirm the existence of Jesus as a historical person or disprove, disprove him entirely out of existence and being purely fictional, either of which could rewrite history as we yeah, know it. I thought, I've thought about that when, when you were saying that. Like, if they had def- definitive proof that Jesus existed, why wouldn't they release it? But maybe, maybe you don't. wouldn't. Maybe you wouldn't because, hey, you want people to have more like faith. You want people to just believe rather than... I don't know. It's a it's a good question. Is, is if you would release that? I think public. some people also believe that Jesus was a person. He exist and he existed. It's just all the other stuff that went along with it didn't happen. Yeah, 
So I'm not sure proving he existed or not would dispel any of that other. Yeah. I guess if you proved he didn't exist, it would dispel yeah. everything else. I would say in today's age, nobody would believe it anyway. Yeah, right. no. They're as cynical as people are yeah. these days. They would yeah. say it was faked yeah. or whatever. Photoshopped. <laughs> it Photoshopped. be on TikTok. Uh, um, if there is proof that Jesus didn't exist, it's no wonder why the Vatican would keep it hidden. However, if they do have proof that Jesus existed, then who knows why they would keep such information under wraps. Whatever the case may be, it's theorized that such history-altering proof is locked away within the Vatican's archive. The next thing, obviously, aliens. Woo. Aliens are almost always the go-to cover-up for many conspiracy theorists, and the Vatican is no exception. Some claim that in 1998, skulls with elongated heads and small faces resembling the aliens from the Alien franchise were found underneath the Vatican. Apparently, ever like the movie franchise? Yes. Like okay. The, like the xenomorph? weird, like the xenomorph, like yeah. the, the tall th- things yeah. that they'd found supposedly some of those skulls underneath the Vatican. Okay. Yeah. Apparently, ever since the Vatican has kept all evidence of aliens secret as to not discredit Christianity. I got something about that in mind too. Some still believe that the Vatican has much more direct evidence of aliens, with a few even claiming that there are several live aliens tucked away inside the Vatican's archive. Like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> Like someone's going down there and feeding them every uh, once I'm in a while. Like I'm expecting a room like in Silence of the Lambs where there's oh. just a couple aliens behind some plexiglass like in a jail. Somebody oh. goes down there and slides a tray through the thing with some food or I don't know. Some water and no. baked I, I touch on aliens a little bit too in my story. Hmm. Speaking of touching, one oh. of the other biggest things <laughs> that the Vatican Archive has is porn. Yeah. Yes, you heard that correctly. Apparently, the archives are home to the largest collection of pornography. I guess I'm second place. What? <laughs> <laughs> Why? This statement is confirmed not only by Copenhagen's Museum Erotica, where visitors are routinely informed that the Vatican holds the largest collection of erotica in the world, but also in writings by noted feminist scholar Camille Piglia and the National Review founder William Buckley. And lastly, other things that may include ties to the Vatican bank scandal, of the 70s and the 2010s, money and items gathered during and after the Holocaust, harboring escaped Nazis during and after World War II, and widespread corruption within the Vatican's high-ranking members. All those things are tied to possibly be in the Vatican's yeah. secret archives. Wow. And that is it. Wow. Good job. I mean, there's a lot more. There's, yeah. you know, lesser, I guess, dramatic things. Yeah. But you have to assume with that many miles of shelving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, good job with that. Wow. Uh, the the porn one, they talked about that one of those straight dope books, and yeah. they said basically it's old porn, like, like 1970s? semi. No, we're talking twenties. No, we're talking like seventeen hundred, seventeen hundred, sixteen, like paintings and books oh, okay. and stuff like that. So not like that. I don't think about yeah. not like porn. the nineteen ninety nine issue of Hustler. I'm talking like old, yeah. old stuff. Really old girly magazines. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, they, from what I hear about it, it's not like it's all the porn magazines. It's just yeah. like old depictions of the sex. old depictions of sex. I like, have a hard time calling that porn. I guess. Yeah. So then the question is, you know, do you believe that this stuff, you know, either existed, whether it's the chronovisor or the Grand Grimoire? And the chronovisor, there's rumors that the guy retracted on his deathbed. There's also rumors that he stuck with it to the very end. There was the picture that Kurt showed you of what looked to be like the Shroud of Turin kind of vision or image of of Jesus. That apparently is a copy of a famous picture that was going around (laughs) during the time. So they think it might have been like an etching and then he 
aged it, whatever, to make it look like that. Like an mm-hmm. old black and white picture. So it, some people say it's disproven. The, cr- the visor, I'm like, no. no like, it yeah. makes no I'm sense. Like, that. how, what is shooting the scene that they're looking at? That's what yeah. makes no sense to me. Right. Yeah, and, like, the biggest thing is people, when they realize the translation shouldn't have been secret, it should have been private. Basically, that was the whole reason. Yeah, you know, but I do think they have things there we don't know about. Oh, I, I really do. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Jesus's foreskin, I think or the artifacts for sure. They have artifacts. The, the the one that I can kind of buy is the, the grimoire. Like mm-hmm. maybe there was some sort of magical mm-hmm. text to summon these things that they wanted kept there. That's that's the one that I can kind of buy. Yeah, a lot of the other stuff I can't, but. Yeah, did you ever watch the Dan Brown? No, movies? I've never seen the any of Angels those. I have never and... seen any of those. I read. Uh, the Da Vinci Code, and I saw the movie. I don't know I that I watched that. Angels and Demons. It's, good. it's really good with Tom Hanks. Yeah, I heard yeah. it's good. It's just one yeah, of those things really that good. maybe I'll just have to watch one day. And then when they do have the archives in the movie, it's basically what you would think it looks like. But, um, yeah, he, even the person in the movie says that we're rumored to have all this stuff, but, you know, it's just basically texts and histories. There's not a couple writings. aliens there chilling at a coffee table down there. They show any aliens like in uh, Men in Black where they're just chilling, yeah. having a coffee. <laughs> Reading some archival yeah. you know, Some archival documents. porn, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, what do you oh, guys think? Do you would think that guy know? I, I feel like there's probably only a handful of people who would really know what's in the archives. I think that there's stuff there that we don't know about, but I don't think... I think the grimoire could be a possibility, and I do think a lot of old religious artifacts mm-hmm. might be a possibility. And probably, Whether they have definitive proof of Jesus existing or not, I don't know. I don't know about that. And I'm sure there's corrupt, you know, documents about corruption that are hidden in there, sure. But if, you find, if you're a Vatican, if you're like a pope, and you find out proof that Jesus didn't exist, you're going to tuck that away somewhere. Yeah. Because that's, like, that's like a business. Yeah. 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 What do you think? I don't know. As far as, I mean, for the Jesus thing, as far as I know, basically... Everybody agrees that he was proven to be alive, so he's an actual man, as to Krista said, with all the you know, almost supernatural, supernatural stuff. things. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. And then the fact that the Bible was written several years after his death and all that by different people, you know, I I like to think that they probably kept a lot of things back then, but if they would have known when he died, it's hard to manufacture stuff hundreds yeah. of years later. No, I agree right. with that. So I, yeah. I think there's probably stuff, but I don't think it's anything remotely like the, the chronovisor and even the grimoire. It's a, a little too out there for yeah. you. For me. Speaking so. of things hidden in the Vatican, another one might be the third prophecy of Fatima. So we talked are we about segueing into your topic. We are segue- or? We're, we're, I just segued hard right into our topic. Uh, we talked last time good about job, Corey, by about the way. Fatima. Yeah, very good job. We talked about Fatima, the the three peasant children that mm-hmm. that saw and the miracle of the sun. So I talked about during that that at one of the visitations of the supposed. I just wanted to say it was really cool that um, some people on Facebook were like, "Yeah, this is a huge deal in my family yeah. or where I live." Wasn't yeah, it's Jamie Portuguese. One of them? Yeah, because Jamie's uh, yeah. wife is is Portuguese. Yeah, so from people Portugal. were showing like shrines of like the whole Fatima yeah. thing. And yeah, it was really cool to and, see uh, people had like an actual connection to it. Yeah, I mean it's a big it's a big mm-hmm. thing. Um, but during that, I talked about. That at one of the visitations, somebody heard her like gasp, heard Lucia gasp. And that was when she was supposedly shown these prophecies. So uh, I'll get just a little summation here. We know, we knew the first two. Those were revealed by her Mm -hmm. right away. The third one was revealed much later. But 
1941, Sister Lucia finally wrote about the prophecies that were supposedly shown to the children that day in July. The first one was a vision of hell that was shown to the children during Mary's appearance that day. Although this was not known until later, Mary seemed to open her hands, light came streaming down from them onto the children, and the three children were given a vision. In her memoirs, Sister Lucy describes the vision, saying, quote, She opened her hands once more, as she had done the two previous months. The rays of light appeared to penetrate the earth, and we saw, as it were, a vast sea of fire. Plunged in this fire, we saw the demons and souls of the damned. The latter were like transparent burning embers, all blackened or burnished bronze, having human forms. They were floating about in that conflagration, now raised into the air by the flames which issued from within themselves, together with great clouds of smoke. Now they fell back on every side like sparks and huge fires without weight or equilibrium, amid shrieks and groans of pain and despair, which horrified us and made us tremble with fright. And in parentheses, it must have been this sight which caused me to cry out as people say they heard. The demons were distinguished from the souls of the damned by their terrifying and repellent likeness to frightful and unknown animals, black and transparent like burning coals. That vision only lasted for a moment, thanks to our good Heavenly Mother, who at the first apparition had promised to take us to heaven. Without that promise, I think that we would have died of terror and fear. Hmm. So that right. was their vision of hell. That would be scary. Well, uh, yeah, that would be scary. But I, I do like that she ties in there that that's probably when people heard her gasp, but then mm-hmm. people did hear her gasp. So I don't know. I just thought that was like a neat little cooperation that mm-hmm. maybe they, maybe this did happen. Right. You know, the Blessed Virgin then spoke to them kindly saying, quote, you have seen hell where the souls of poor sinners go. To save them, God wishes you to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart. If what I say to you is done, many souls will be saved and there will be peace. The war is going to end, but if people do not cease offending God, a worse one will break out during the pontificate of Pius XI. When you see a knight illuminated by an unknown light, know that this is the great sign given to you by God that he is about to punish the world for its crimes by mean of war, famine, and persecutions of the church and the Holy Father. And this, and now she tells her the second prophecy. She says, to prevent this, I shall come to ask for the consecration of Russia into my immaculate heart and the communion of reparation on the first Saturdays. If my requests are heeded, Russia will be converted and there will be peace. If not, she will spread her errors throughout the world, causing wars and persecutions of the church. The good will be martyred. The Holy Father will have much to suffer. Various nations will be annihilated. In the end, my immaculate heart will triumph. The Holy Father will consecrate. I have such a hard time with this word. The Holy Father will consecrate Russia to me and she will be converted and a period of peace will then be granted to the world. That's the second prophecy of Fatima, which is basically saying Russia needs to come back to the church or else not good stuff is going to happen. So weird one country is so dependent on coming back into the fold. So a May 8th, 2019 article on CatholicAnswers.com called, quote, Getting Fatima Right says... In the July 1917 apparition, the lady stated that the world. Oh, my stomach just made a weird noise. In the July 1917 apparition, the lady stated that the war, World War One, would end, but that a worse one would break out in the reign of Pius XI, who would not be elected until 1922. The sign presaging this event was said to be a night illuminated by an unknown light. On the night of January 25th and 26th, 1938, an extraordinary display of the Aurora Borealis was widely visible in Europe. In her third memoir, Sister Lucia interpreted this as a sign indicating that the new war was close. World War II broke out the following year. So, hmm. 
That was just kind of an interesting thing. The apparition of Mary specifically told Lucia not to tell anyone about the secret at this stage apart from Francisco. But as we know, word got out about the two ones because that mayor kidnapped them and threatened mm. to fry them in oil unless right. they told them to... Stand up guy. Yeah. So when asked by the bishop in 1943 to reveal the third secret, Lucia struggled for a short period being, quote, not yet convinced that God had clearly authorized her to act. However, in October 1943, the bishop ordered her to put it in writing. Lucia then wrote the secret down and sealed it in an envelope not to be opened until 1960 when she said, quote, it will appear clearer. On January 3rd, 1944, the sealed envelope containing the third secret was delivered to the Bishop of Lyra, where it stayed until 1957 when it was finally delivered to Rome. In 1960, the Vatican issued a press release stating that it was, quote, most probable the secret would remain forever under absolute seal. As you can imagine, there was a lot of speculation then about that third mm-hmm. prophecy, which what do you think is going to happen when you say, yeah, we're never going to tell you guys what's in this one. You know, people are going to kind of go nuts. This led people well, to wonder. it kind of makes you think it's something really bad. Yeah. This led people to wonder if the third prophecy was about Armageddon or nuclear annihilation right. or aliens or something. And for the longest time, there was nobody, they would never say what it was about. It was just, we knew that they had it, but they would never say what it was about. On May 2nd, 1981, a man named Lawrence James Downey hijacked an airplane and demanded that Pope John Paul II reveal the third secret to him in order to release the prisoners. Wow. Yeah. He really wants to know the secret. Yeah. Then on May 13th, 1981, on the anniversary of the first Fatima apparition, Pope John Paul II was shot in an assassination attempt in St. Peter's Square. The Pope almost died from the wounds, but surgeons were able to save his life. And then on May 13th, 2000, 83 years after the lady first appeared, Cardinal Angelo Sedano said that they would finally reveal the third prophecy. On June 26, 2000, the Vatican revealed the supposed third prophecy of Fatima, which reads, quote, The third part of the secret revealed at the Cova on 13th July, 1917. I write in obedience to you, my God, who command me to do so through His Excellency, the Bishop of Lyra, and through your most holy mother and mine. And this is Lucia writing. This is Lucia's writing. After the two parts, which I had already explained, at the left of Our Lady and a little above, we saw an angel with a flaming sword in his left hand flashing. It gave out flames that looked as though they would set the world on fire, but they died out in contact with the splendor that Our Lady radiated towards him from her right hand. Pointing towards the earth with his right hand, the angel cried out in a loud voice, Penance, penance, penance. And we saw in an immense light that is God something similar to how people appear in a mirror when they pass in front of it. A bishop dressed in white, we had the impression that it was the Holy Father. Other bishops, priests, men and women, religious, going up a steep mountain, at the top of which there was a big cross of rough-hewn trunks as of a cork tree with the bark. Before reaching there, the Holy Father passed through a big city half in ruins and half trembling with halting step, afflicted with pain and sorrow. He prayed for the souls of the corpses he met on his way. Having reached the top of the mountain, on his knees at the foot of the big cross, he was killed by a group of soldiers who fired bullets and arrows at him, and in the same way there died, one after another, other bishops, priests, men and women religious, and various lay people of different ranks and positions. Beneath the two arms of the cross, there were two angels, each with a crystal in his hand, which they gathered up the blood of the martyrs, and with it sprinkled the souls that were making their way to God. So that is the third prophecy. 
It's kind of ominous. Along with the text of the secret, Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, the future Pope Benedict XVI, published a commentary in which he states, quote, a careful reading of the text of the so-called third secret... Mm, Turd secret? Turd secret. <laughs> Turd secret. Quote, a careful reading of the text of the so-called third secret of Fatima will probably prove disappointing or surprising after all the speculation that it has stirred. No great mystery is revealed, nor is the future unveiled. After explaining the differences between public and private revelations, he cautions people not to see in the message a determined future event. The purpose of the vision is not to show a film of a fixed future. Its meaning is exactly the opposite. It is meant to mobilize the forces of change in the right direction. Therefore, we must totally discount fatalistic explanations of the secret, such as, for example, the claim that the would-be assassin of the Pope was merely an instrument of the divine plan guided by providence and could not therefore have acted freely, or other similar ideas in circulation. Rather, the vision speaks of dangers and how we might be saved from them. On May 11, 2010, during a flight to Fatima, answering a question about the third secret, Pope Benedict XVI said, quote, We would be mistaken to think that Fatima's prophetic message has been completely realized. So hmm. they're, that, they're saying that that's, that was the message. This weird image of this bishop or whatever going through the city that's in ruins to a cross and then being killed by soldiers. But a lot of people believe that that vision was about the assassination attempt on pope john paul see when you were reading it my first thought was they kind of left it as as a cliffhanger but my thought was that what this is predicting is the eventual loss in belief well, we're gonna get because we're gonna get to that into the christian church we're that's gonna, what it feels like yeah, to me rather gonna, than a specific event yep, yes. we're gonna get to that i have here with oh, the i was you curted. Curted you, you. i curted you i was curted. with the text of the third secret officially <laughs> released by pope john paul in 2000 people you would think that this is the end of the story and of course it's not uh some people believe that that wasn't the actual prophecy i mean obviously you're gonna have people believing that that wasn't the actual prophecy from an October 26th. Wait, 20- so what do you mean by that? That there's the people, that a lot of people believe that this up. was made up. Oh, because the, 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 Vatican, the Vatican made this one up to put one out there so people shut up about it. Okay. <laughs> uh, basically, <laughs> if, I, if you want me to put it that way. Yeah. Okay. While the text of the third secret was officially released by Pope John Paul II in 2000, some claim that it was not the original secret revealed by Lucia, despite repeated assertions from the Vatican to the contrary. From an October 26, 2021 entry on the website, The Cup of Joe, it says, quote, The third secret was supposed to be revealed in 1960. That was the request of Our Lady of Fatima as dictated to Sister Lucia. John XXIII read the third secret and said, quote, It doesn't belong to my pontificate. Forty years later, John Paul II revealed a partial text, which was a vision, without releasing the interpretation of that vision as Our Lady delivered it to Sister Lucia. To this day, Rome is rumored to have never released the full text of the Third Secret. However, many have read the text, and the conclusion has been the same. It deals with, I don't—I hate this word, apostasy in the church, which is the church being destroyed from inside. Mm-hmm. Like, and, yeah, corruption? like, like corruption okay. and the church being destroyed from the inside. And the conclusion has been the same. It deals with apostasy in the church from the top down. Sister Lucia herself directed us to the Apocalypse, chapters eight to thirteen. It is worth noting that one of the chapters she directed us to reveal, deals with the rise of the Antichrist. 
She also stated in 1972, quote, The devil has succeeded in bringing evil into the church under the guise of good, and the blind are beginning to lead others. Father Malachi Martin, who also read the actual third secret, commented, quote, Fatima is a very apocalyptic message. It says that no matter what happens, there are going to be terrible wars, there are going to be diseases, whole nations are going to be wiped out, there are going to be three days of darkness, there are going to be epidemics that will wipe out whole nations overnight, parts of the earth will be washed away, and violent tornadoes and storms are going to happen. It's not a nice message at all. And this was what he read before this was supposedly released. So his deals a lot more with what he's saying deals a lot more with like apocalypse like end of the world and the end of the world stuff. Or just like global warming. Yeah. <laughs> or or uh, I found pandemics. it interesting that they talked about pandemics. Mm-hmm. Cardinal Sylvie Odie remarked, quote, it has nothing to do with Gorbachev. The Blessed Virgin was alerting us to the apostasy in the church. Cardinal Ratzinger in 1984 stated, quote, the secret of Fatima speaks neither of atomic bombs, nor of nuclear warheads, nor of missiles. Its content concerns only our faith. To identify the secret with catastrophic announcements of a nuclear holocaust is to distort the meaning of the message. The loss of the faith of a continent is far worse than the annihilation of a nation. Don't know if I believe that. Yeah. But uh, there was also a um, apparition at some place called Salette or La Salette in 1846, and. This article says, we also recall the very words of Our Lady at Salette in 1846 when she said that the church would be in eclipse and that, quote, Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of the Antichrist. And another apparition in 1973 at a place called Akita said, quote, if men do not repent and better themselves, the Father will inflict a terrible punishment on all of humanity. It will be punishment greater than a deluge, such as one has never been seen before. Fire will fall from the sky and will wipe out a great part of humanity, the good as well as the bad, sparing neither priests nor the faithful. The survivors will find themselves so desolate that they will envy the dead. The only arms which will remain for you will be the rosary and the sign left by my son. Each day recite the prayers of the rosary. With the rosary, pray for the pope, the bishops, and the priests. So this is basically a lot of apocalyptic talk and a lot of destruction like the church being like what's the word i'm looking for like a lot of like destroyed from within we're destroyed from within and the antichrist and that stuff if you think about it though if a lot of people um conduct themselves in a good way out of fear of what would happen to them if they didn't if they weren't a good person and then that faith was gone Imagine how differently they would act oh, yeah. towards well, other people. Yeah. Or that's in always the world. been a knock on the Catholic Church is yeah. that they beat you in a submission by yeah they keep you in line with fear fear. So if yeah. that fear were suddenly gone, I could see how that could turn the, the tide. tide and, yeah, yep. And things would be very different. But the, but the Akita uh, prophecy goes on to say the work of the devil will infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops. The priests who venerate me will be scorned and opposed by their confers. Churches and altars will be sacked. The church will be full of those who accept compromises, and the demon will press many priests and souls to leave the service of the Lord. So that's a lot of bad stuff coming from within the church. Mm-hmm. So why do some people feel that the whole prophecy hasn't been released? Uh, the third prophecy, as released by the Vatican in 2000, appeared to be a four-page handwritten note. In Lucia's memoirs, she describes the prophecy as being written on a single page, which is interesting that mm. 
she says that when she wrote it, it was one page. And when the church released it, it was four handwritten pages. That doesn't add up. No. They're elaborating or adding yeah. things. In, or... a, in a taped interview, Charles Fior quoted Father Malachi Martin as saying the following regarding the text of the third secret. He said, quote, I cooled my heels in the corridor outside the Holy Father's apartments while my boss, Cardinal B., was inside debating with the Holy Father and with a group of other bishops and priests and two young Portuguese seminarians who translated the letter, a single page written in Portuguese, for all those in the room. Bishop Wow Wow Venecio says that he saw Lucia's original paper handwritten about with 25 lines on one page with small margins and that what the Vatican released in 2000 was 62 lines on four pages with no margins. So people that people that saw the original uh, written down by Sister Lucia prophecy say that the one that was given out is not the same. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to try to figure out what Portuguese looks like when it's translated. Is it one of those languages yeah, that you it, see two lines and you think it's, you know, just says thank you, but it ends up spanning four lines when it's right. translated to English hmm. yeah, or whatever I, language? I don't know. But... I, I think you're going under the assumption that that was the exact paper that Sister Lucia wrote, yeah. that it wasn't translated. It was the exact paper. So I don't know if it was translated mm. and handwritten down onto another piece of paper, but there's a lot of people that point at that as saying that's one of the reasons why that's not the actual third prophecy of Fatima is because of the page difference. In an interview published in the November 11th, 1984 edition of Jesus Magazine, Cardinal Ratzinger was asked whether he had read the text of the Third Secret and why it had not been revealed yet. Ratzinger acknowledged that he had read the Third Secret and stated, quote, because, according to the judgment of the popes, it adds nothing new to what a Christian must know concerning what derives from revelations, i.e., a radical call for conversion, the absolute importance of history, the dangers threatening the faith and life of the Christian and therefore the world, and then the importance of the novicimi, if it is not made public, at least for the time being, it is in order to prevent religious prophecy from being mistaken for a quest for sensationalism. But the things contained in this third secret correspond to what has been announced in Scripture and has been said again and again in many other apparitions, first of all of Fatima, in what is already known of what its message contains. Conversion and penitence are the essential conditions for salvation. Two things that people notice that he said is, the first one is that he said, uh, a careful reading of the text of the so-called third secret of Fatima will probably prove disappointing or surprising after all the speculation it has stirred. No great mystery is revealed. But before the contents were released, he said that it was being kept from the public in order to prevent religious prophecy from being mistaken for a quest for the sensationalism, which is a contradiction. Like at one point he is saying that there's nothing... Nothing here. Nothing here. And in another one, he is saying that it's being kept secret because it's too sensational, sensational. Hmm. which is weird. And then a lot of people read into his use of the word novicimi, which in Latin means people, but in Italian means end times. Yeah. <laughs> two wildly so, different <laughs> two definitions. Two wildly different <laughs> definitions. And former Philippine ambassador to the Vatican, Howard D., stated that Cardinal Ratzinger had personally confirmed to him that the messages of Fatima and Akita are essentially the same. The Akita prophecy, in part, talks about how the work of the devil will inf infiltrate even into the church in such a way that one will see cardinals opposing cardinals, bishops against bishops, and churches and altars sacked. So that sounds like kind of what it is about, that what it is about is the, the devil infiltrating the church. 
and there's really kind of nothing about it in that they mention it a little bit in that supposed third prophecy, but not to the point that like people are have actually read it are saying. And according to one source, when Lucia herself was asked about the third secret, she just said, quote, it is in the Gospels and in the Apocalypse. And at one point, she even specified Apocalypse chapters 8 to 13, a range that includes the book of Revelations, which is about the end times. Hmm. Cardinal Bertone comments on an unsourced accusation that the Vatican is concealing a one-page text of the third secret, which predicts a great apostasy where Rome will lose its faith completely and become the throne of the Antichrist. Bertone responds as follows, quote, That's absolutely crazy. Look, are you claiming that the prophecy of Fatima is about the apostasy of the church in Rome? That Fatima is a prediction of Rome's transformation into the throne of the Antichrist? Despite the love Our Lady has for the Pope and the Pope's for Our Lady? Anyone can write books based on conspiracy theories or biased interpretations. Anyone can take sentences out of context and present them as clues to some supposed plot to avoid divulging the truth and to transmit it in a code that only the initiates can understand. No, the whole theory you allude to is a fabrication. And this supposedly factual account is actually the sort of advice that the Freemasons used to discredit the church. So now they're bringing the Freemasons into it. Illuminati into it. The Illuminati, the Freemasons. Circle widens. Yeah. The supposed factual account is actually the sort of device the Freemasons used to invent to discredit the church. I'm Mm -hmm. surprised that journalists and writers who claim to be Catholics let themselves be taken in. Hmm. Bertone also states that, quote, we have the word, better, the official confirmation of Sister Lucia. She was asked, is this the third secret and the only text of it? And she replied, yes, this is the third secret, and I never wrote any other. In 2007, writers Antonio Socchi and Soldio Paolino produced a tape recording in which they claimed Archbishop Loris Capovilla revealed that there were two texts of the third secret. So, I don't know. And Sister Lucia said that in the 1940s, it's said, I don't know if she said this or it was said about her, but Sister Lucia said that in the 1940s, she was granted further enlightenment on the third secret, and it somehow involved the Earth's axis. So that's what they, there you go. I mean, that's, now I got the theories. We got theories here. Theory number one, the third secret was completely released. That was what they said it was. That was the third secret. Um, It's just keeping that secret for so long. I guess I could understand it because there's this vision of this bishop or this holy man walking through the city with corpses all over and then him getting killed i guess they could i guess i could see them keeping that secret because they don't know if this is going to happen at some point Mm -hmm. so the original first two secrets were what in the 20s yeah, like around the 20s or 30s. And for some reason they they wanted this one to be released but they held on they wanted this one to be released in the 60s so you have to look i don't know you have to look back at this for what it would have been in the 20s yeah and then the fact that they held it to the 60s but didn't release it until 2000, we're looking at it from a different, completely different lens than we would have yeah, in yeah, the 20s. Yeah, totally. So, you know, when you were reading this, my first thought went to Nostradamus. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he always had these end-of-the-world prophecies. Yeah. And it's like, well, was that what we were supposed to look at in the 20s? And they held off to the 60s. But then they ended up not releasing it till like 2000. Yeah, so then... I look at it as we have to look at it as to what they would have thought about this in the twenties where probably they probably would have crapped their pants, you know, thinking about it this way. But then you look at world war one, world war two, then you can look at it in the sixties as maybe the start of the cold war. So then they keep pushing it back and they keep 
referring to every current event yeah. with this prophecy. Yeah. So, no, I, I get that. I get that. Uh, but I don't know. So that's their theory number one. That is the actual third prophecy. Theory number two, the church is suppressing details about turmoil within the church itself. A rumor surfaced that Cardinal Joseph Ratzinger, the future Pope Benedict XVI, had privately confessed to his friend that the Vatican had withheld a section of the prophecy that warned of, quote, a bad council and a bad mass. Combined with the fact that Lucia had asked for the secret to be released in 1960, this seemed to be a reference to the Second Vatican Council and the subsequent changes in the church that remained controversial for many traditionalists. But the release text does not contain anything of a controversial nature, which could bring about a crisis of faith within the church. But there's a lot of stuff tied in with this idea of the church destroying itself from inside. And if you're a Christian, you hear that, that's going to freak you out. So that they're thinking that's why that was suppressed is this stuff about the, tor- the turmoil within the church collapsing on itself. And that kind of gets us to theory number three, the church is suppressing details about the Antichrist. And there was a lot about the Antichrist, like that the Vatican will become the seat for the Antichrist at some point. And the turmoil in the church is going to lead to the Antichrist rising. And I always hate the word Antichrist. I know. Because it makes you think of the opposite of Christ, which is like Mm -hmm. the worst person in the world. I know it's just supposed to be a man or woman. Yeah, it's supposed to be a man that is supposed to be able to have like a golden tongue to persuade people to follow him which I'm not going to get political on here, but a lot of people tied in with a certain somebody, Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, in my Vatican archive research, I just mentioned it at the very end about the Vatican bank scandals yeah. in the 70s and 2010s. Yep. And if you look at the one in the 2010s, it's it's really bad, like with all the innuendo and conspiracy about money being laundered and the way they found some bodies of bankers like yeah. strung up under bridges yeah like hanging under bridges and yeah. stuff and, and maybe like, maybe that's what the if the if this isn't the legit third prophecy maybe the third prophecy involves that yeah i mean nothing i don't think it ever became of it because uh, here we are in a 2021 almost 2022 yeah and i think everything is still going strong yeah so yep so what that description you read before of the alleged third prophecy yeah. was that taken from that four pa- was that like an excerpt from that four that was page? the four pages okay i believe that was the four pages okay. i don't know but that was the original that was the official one that they released as mm-hmm. being the third prophecy the one with this do you want me to read the whole thing again or no no the i third remember prophecy. It. okay um so yeah that's theory number three the church is suppressing details about the antichrist theory number four a big one the church is suppressing details about the end of the world a 900-year-old prophecy by St. Malachi Morger, who is said to have a, had a vision of all 112 popes from the first to the last, saying that the last is the one who will witness God's final judgment. He wrote down 112 short Latin phrases describing each one. According to the authors, the description of the last pope on the list, Petrus Romanus, Peter the Roman, matches Pope Francis. So, I don't know if our pope line is coming to an end, according to this guy. That says that 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 Pope Francis will witness the God's final judgment. You know, I don't know. According to an article on the last days, well, what of, number of Pope are we on right I'm now? I'm not even sure what number Pope we're on, <laughs> or what his name is. 
Oh, Pope Francis is the current Pope. Well, good. So <laughs> he is the 112th. Oh, come so, on. Yeah. Well, so, so it's weird that any, this... So much for any hypothetical Christmas episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so this, this, this... So how long are you in... How long are you the reigning Pope? Until you die? Until you either retire or die. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, 900-year-old prophecy by St. Malachi Morgare wrote down 112 short Latin phrases for each Pope, according to author's description of the last Pope on the list, Petrus Romanus, Peter the Roman matches Pope Francis. And and he's going to be the one that's going to witness God's final judgment. So there's a really cheery thought. I wonder if that's, you know, could it be a actual end of the world or if that's like a metaphor for like the end of religion or whatever, yeah, you know, I don't who know. knows what it's that very possible. Means. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean the end of the world. Yeah, according to an article on the last days of Tolmac blog called, quote, the, Th- the Three Secrets of Fatima, it says, in the October 1981 issue of the German magazine, oh boy, Stein de Globens, it reads as follows, quote, the Holy Father was asked, what about the third secret of Fatima? Should it not have already been published by 1960? Pope John Paul II replied, Given the seriousness of the contents, my predecessors in the office of Peter preferred to postpone publication so as not to encourage the world power of communism to try to carry out certain moves. On the other hand, it should be sufficient for all Christians to know this. If there is a message in which it is written that the oceans will inundate whole areas of the earth and that from one moment to the next millions will perish, truly the publication of such a message is no longer something to be so much desired. Many wish to know simply from curiosity and a taste for the sensational, but they forget that knowledge also implies responsibility. They only seek the satisfaction of their curiosity and that it is dangerous if at the same time they are not disposed to do something and if they are convinced that it is impossible to do anything about evil. So they thought that was a weird comment from him saying, look, if this thing talks about oceans flooding everybody and millions of people dying, do you even really want to know? Right. So people kind of think that was like a hint that that's what was in the third prophecy. Although, if the... they would have told us this in the 60s, maybe global warming wouldn't be happening right <laughs> now. We true. could have prevented That's this. That's true. It seems like everybody just adds their own little interpretation. But I mean, I agree it. with what he says. He's like, if if something if says the world's going to end, the earth. do you want to know that? Because yeah. you're just going to not care anymore or do anything because you know that it's already been right. predetermined that it's going to happen. Something you can't yeah. prevent. Yep. I mean, you had that one comment, too, about the person I talked about, or I think it was her herself, saying that there was an issue about the polar... The yeah, access uh, that was actually on here, but I started looking into that. People and say that it could happen yeah, anytime. Um, I started looking into that, and that's going to be a mini mystery because there's a lot of stuff yeah. tied in with that. Like, like There's some people that say nothing will happen. There's some people say that we'll be dead. Yeah. So there's a lot to look at for access change, but one interesting thing about that is that... Um, and I took this all out of here. I had a huge chunk, and I'm like, this is getting too much for this, so it's going to be a, a separate one. But a lot of people said at the Miracle of the Sun, where the sun danced around in the sky, people said that that sounds like what would happen during an axis shift. So people say that the Virgin Mary was showing them what the axis shift will look like, hmm. that the third prophecy supposedly actually really talks about was this axis shift in the earth. But axis shift, looking into that, it's it's a rabbit hole. So I'm going to save that for a different one. But I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because I forgot to mention that, that people tied that in with the miracle of the sun dancing around in the sky saying yeah. that is what it's going to look like during the axis shift. I remember reading that too where people said it could absolutely be nothing. You wouldn't even notice it. Yep. And then some people saying it would completely destroy the world. So um, yep. Theory number five, the church is suppressing details about 
Abuse? Aliens? Aliens. Oh, aliens. <laughs> Gordon Cooper, NASA astronaut, said, quote, You want to know about UFOs and little green men? Contact the Vatican. They have an observatory out in Arizona, and that's what they're looking for. And I never knew this. The Vatican owns the most powerful telescope in the world. It's at the Mount Graham International Observatory in Arizona, where Vatican astronomers observe deep space. Yeah. I thought the Hubble telescope no. was like the telescope. The one on Earth. The Yeah. That's... Well. The Vatican owns that telescope and is always looking into space. And then this um, from an exemplar.com article, June 24, 2020. Shocking new findings reveal that the Vatican is waiting for an alien savior. The article says, quote, Vatican Vatican theologians consider the possibility that Jesus was a star child and the Immaculate Conception was one of the earliest documented cases of alien abduction and visitation. Thus, the second coming of Christ is expected to confirm that Jesus was in fact an extraterrestrial or a human-alien hybrid. Wow. Preparations for new alien God are well on the way. The church plans to reassure the faithful that the new ET reality doesn't negate the word of the Bible and Jesus Christ as the Son of the God as the Son of God. The Catholic Church will embrace the new alien savior and encourage religious people everywhere to do the same. So does the Bible make references that are interpreted as aliens? being about aliens? I don't know. I don't that, know that's either. something that I never really looked at. You well, were you looked at for a while into the Bible code. I remember when you yeah. were like kind of into the Bible code uh, thing. Yeah, just, I think it's just random gibberish. But <laughs> <laughs> like the telescope, I mean, did they simply fund a lot of it, or are they actually the ones running it? Is it I like think a, they funded it and run it. So is it like a collaboration with like Arizona University or Arizona State? I think State? it's a collaboration with another university, but then like you and I were talking about on the way down here, I didn't get into that in here, but a lot of people make a big fuss about the fact that one of the components of the telescope, uh, its codename is Lucifer. Oh boy. Yeah. But really? then people Which are means saying... Which a light bringer. I think, yeah, I think Snopes was saying that like a small mirror that was made for that it wasn't like that vatican itself made that lucifer mirror for it but they said it was a small part of it so i just think maybe if they were funding some of it or partly co-run it with somebody like a university then it's really not that big of a deal whether they would be putting their money towards you know some just why though i don't know like why are they mining operation it wouldn't be that big of a deal i don't know it's it's just weird like i never knew that they had this telescope so it's strange it is strange i wish i would have looked more into it now but i didn't but yeah Theory number six, the church is suppressing details about something we don't even know about. I mean, that's possible. (laughs) You never know. We haven't even thought about it. In theory number seven, it's all bunk. I mean, all of this, and you think about it, all of this hinges on the events at Fatima being legit. Right. Because Lucia is the one that said all these things. Right. You know, but we said, we think something happened at Fatima. Mm -hmm. I mean, all those people, whether it was mass hysteria. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to poo-poo on religious beliefs, but again, but it I, I do think the people who yeah, experienced I do stuff think far away. something miraculous happened at Fatima, uh, but then it questioned a lot of if Sister Lucia was legit, mm. and if she wasn't, then that all of this is done because she's the one that said these three mm-hmm. prophecies were given to her. If this is legit, then I don't know. I don't know. But to sum it up quick before we get to what do you think, I just came across this quote from Neil Gaiman, which I really like. It said, quote, I sat in the dark and thought, there's no big apocalypse, just an endless procession of little ones. Uh, <laughs> so what do you think? That's what basically do you think the, described 2020. <laughs> yeah. The, what do you think about the third prophecy? I mean, just in general, the prophecies themselves, you know, obviously I'm not that much of a religious guy. Um, but in the context of the era where it happened, 
I could see people with the preconceived notion that something's going to happen on this day. Yeah. And enough people seeing something to trump it up to be something, not to use Trump, but to trump it up to be something bigger than what it is. Um, and as for the actual prophecies, I don't think they really matter anymore. I mean, I don't yeah. think that they, I think you could go back and prescribe things that have happened to those. Yeah. But then you're just, you're doing what everybody did for Nostradamus. Right. Yeah. You know, like in his things, when he says Hister, everybody refers to what? Well, it's obviously talking about Hitler. But he's not. He's talking about, about the, the Danube. Danube River. Yeah. Yeah. Which was called Hister. Yeah. So then you go back and just apply things to yeah. the prophecies. So I'm going to go basically with, I think all of it was bunk. Okay. And as to why they, they hit it for so long, I mean, I could see why people would be concerned about the end of the world prophecies and stuff like that. But, but Basically, they've been dealing with that the entire existence of the Christian Church or Catholic yeah. Church. Yeah. So as to why, I, I I don't know. I I think there's I don't know. I think that third prophecy I do think is a little freaky in the way that it's talking about that bishop walking through the city with the corpses and then him getting killed. So if that is the legit one, I could kind of see why they keep that behind because, you know, assuming they're thinking that bishop might be one of their popes and he's going to get killed, maybe they don't want that given out there so people think to kill the pope. You know, so I don't know. I just, I, I feel like, I don't know. I, I, part of me wants to say they're keeping something secret, but the rational part of me thinks that was the third prophecy that they released. I don't think they're keeping anything secret, but I don't know why I think that, but I do. Did, it just dawned on me too that didn't, wasn't there something with Pope John Paul II where he was supposedly killed by poison? Or like he was killed, remember. he was killed in the Vatican, like, one of his nuns just left him and then came back a couple hours know. later and he was dead. I don't remember. And they were that. talking about this was going to be the start of I'll Armaged look it up while you're yeah. talking, but Armageddon? Hmm. I don't rem- I don't know. I don't remember that. But I I I tend to think something happened at Fatima and I kind of believe Sister Lucia. You know, I do. So I kind of think that this I think the prophecies were legit, and I think she was, I think the third one, especially with her saying, no, this is the one that, this is it. Lucia herself said there's nothing else. Mm -hmm. But if there is something bad, and you have the Pope and bishops come to talk to you and be like, could you say that this is it? Because we don't really want this real prophecy getting out. I could see her going along with that for the greater good of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think her saying that that was the only one doesn't necessarily prove that there's nothing being hidden from Mm -hmm. the with the third prophecy so i don't know what do you think so (laughs) this was a heavy episode i feel like it all comes down to fear i feel like all the prophecies are just reiterating what like the catholic church specifically has been spouting for years and it's if you don't behave a certain way you're all going to hell it all comes down to like fear i I feel like well wait i feel like that's not so i feel like the church was like that but i don't think modern church is i think it is but I don't. I I feel like the Catholic Church has softened a lot with the fear mongering. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think so. Um, but, but I guess my point is though, why would a little? Why would that be a little girl's agenda? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So that it doesn't quite make sense. But I could see how saying, "Well, we have a third one, but we're not going to tell you what it is." That's holding on to the fear. Like we have this secret, and you just need to trust us and keep following us. Because that's true. We know what that it is, is and. You just need to follow the church. So that's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Um, but he, on a side note, this is such a weird thing that I thought of, but has anyone, you don't have Netflix. Corey, have you watched um, Sweet Game? Midnight Mass? On I have it on my all? phone to start watching it's it. Really I have good. to finish Arrow. 
it's and then very also very good um but it's funny because the it's they're they're going through like the mass and like watching this and i haven't been to church in a couple of decades and i knew it word for word i'm like well nothing's changed like i know the mass the catholic mass word for word i could get up and probably do it because i <laughs> really? went to a catholic school yeah. i went to church twice a week and i'm like so not much has changed because the mass is exactly the same as it was as i was a yeah. kid and i remember it still being very fear-based when i was a kid like Man, you did not want to go to hell. No, <laughs> so you I guess, had to follow I guess, all the rules. I guess. I, ju- yeah. I don't go to church, so I don't mm-hmm. know. But so, it just seems from my opinion that they've it's not really fear based anymore. I don't know, but that maybe that's just me. So I was wrong. It was Pope John Paul the First. He was died Pope. suddenly in September nineteen seventy eight, thirty three days after his election. Oh, I remember that. Following contradictory yep. reports about the circumstances of his death and apparent anomalies about the issuing of his death certificate and other procedures, several conspiracy theories have gained currency. Many of these concern the serious corruption in the Vatican Bank, possibly linked to Freemasonry, which is forbidden <laughs> by church law, yeah. although none of these claims have been substantiated. Okay, mm-hmm. yep. Now, now that you say that, I remember yeah. that. But if, if the third one is about uh, trouble Lost in the church, there's yeah. obviously been trouble in the church. Oh, yeah. So I think any institution that big, you're going to have people that look yeah. out for themselves and, and yeah. want mm-hmm. things a different way. And I would just think if after all these years, if it's still standing strong, then it's going to take more than that yeah. to bring it down. Dang, that was a heavy episode. It was. Now I, we didn't even get, I, we're going to have like a Vatican hit squad after us now <laughs> talking about this. I mean, there's some, Vatican is interesting. If you do a deep dive on the Vatican... I'll just start my car for me when we get Yeah, <laughs> okay. I'll pick you up. Let me go down the block with it, and he'll pick you up. So what do you guys think? Vatican, hiding stuff? Uh, I'd say yeah. Yeah, I think, like I said, any institution that yeah. big, been around for that long. You think long. they're hiding the actual third uh, prophecy of Fatima? No. No, okay. As what do to you, why they did, not. As to why they did, I can see why they did, but I, I don't yeah. think it's anything to be worried about any different than any other forecaster, right. prognosticator out there that says that... True. Look at the, was it the Aztec calendar? Oh, yeah, 2012. Yeah, yeah nothing happened. No. Yeah. The end of the world in 2000. Yeah, people were all freaked out. Yeah. yeah. I remember being Y2K. in a bar. I remember being in a bar at midnight, calling a friend of mine, asking him why he's not out because his wife won't let him come out. Yeah. So, yeah, Y2K was a big one. Yeah. And it's just like all these things are predicted to be the end of the world. And that's just the major ones that we heard. Yeah. So I, all that stuff, I think, is bunk. Okay. What do you listeners think? What do you think about, is the Vatican keeping some stuff like the Grand Grim- Grimoire, the Chronovision? Or Jesus' foreskin. Jesus' foreskin. foreskin, Chronovision. Chronovision, I'm like, it's a cool sci-fi story idea, but totally. other than that, no. So yeah, there you go. Let Since this is running long, let's just jump into our song choices, okay. and we'll do that. Our category this time was singer you have a crush on. Do you want me to go first? Sure. I did two. I did a man crush. Okay. I had to do a man crush, and I did a female crush. I'll start with my man crush. I just posted a video by them in my on my. And thank yes. you to everybody that was like super concerned about me. Mm-hmm. I, it was just a bad day, and I just wrote a. That was the day you busted your. That tooth, was the day right? I busted my tooth. But my song, for my man crush, I don't even really know his name, so I should probably look it up. <laughs> um. So it's a minor crush. Yeah, it's a minor crush. It's a man. It's like a man crush. Like I want to, you know, I don't want to like marry him and live happily ever after, but I want to have a beer with this guy because I just love this guy. According to my wife, my man crush is Zac Efron. 
Really? Yeah. So I, I, I said I once a in a movie. I have a crush on him as well. I said once in a movie, I'm like, that's a good looking guy. So now every time <laughs> there's a movie. very good looking. That's Corey's boyfriend. Um, and he just gets better with age. I'm just going to say. I never thought about a man crush, but I got a, I got somebody. So So my man crush's name is David LaPep. LaPepe. Okay. He is the singer from the band Gang of Youths. And I absolutely love the band Gang of Youths. They're an Australian band. And I think they're amazing. And uh, he's a good looking dude. I mean, I'll flat out like this is him. Like, he is a good-looking dude. Uh, people say he looks like that guy that plays Aquaman a little bit, like a cross between oh, Jason. Jason. Yeah, like a cross between. That's him. Oh, a little bit. Oh, he's good-looking. Yeah, he is a yeah, good-looking yeah, yeah. dude. and I, I, I love, wouldn't kick him out of bed. I love their lyrics. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's just somebody that I just admire, and I love their lyrics. Uh, he's just, like, I want to have a beer with him. David, if you ever hear this, come to Wisconsin and have a beer with me because I love you. I love your music. And yeah, he's my man crush. So who's your girl crush? My girl crush, Corey and I were talking on the way down here, and Corey actually mentioned her. Which one? You mentioned her as one that you remember saying that you mentioned having a crush on in her videos. Amy Lee? Anna Nalek. Oh, okay. I absolutely love Anna Nalek. She did that song, Breathe, 3 a.m. Oh, yeah. That's a great song, But I've been following her for years on Instagram, and I just love her. Yeah. I adore her. I think she's just gorgeous. And uh, I love... She's only known for that song. She was like a one-hit wonder. But I just really, really like her. I like the stuff she believes in. I like the stuff she says. I just think she's like a good person. So so Anna Nalik is my... She's one of my many singing crushes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was hard to na- it was hard to nail that down. Like yeah, the other one I thought of right off the bat is Lisa Loeb in the video mm-hmm. for "Stay." See, that's what I would. And it's guessed. not it's not so much like I watched that video a bunch of times trying to think about this, it's and it's not really so much cute. it's not so much the way she looks. It's the little mannerism she does in the video that I find that I love, like the little head shakes and the little things she does that I love. But I ended up going with Anna Nalik just because I f- I follow her on on Instagram and I yeah. just really like her. She's hot in that video. I mean, there's but no, there's no other way just, around she's it. She's just pretty. And the, the video I'm going to post is actually one video that I just love where this was from a couple years ago where she was doing a concert and she's not big, uh, doesn't get big crowds by any no. stretch of the imagination. So it was like a, a concert in an auditorium, but she was, she had a super bad cold. So she tried doing one song, could not do a song. So she just did a question and answers where she just had to like rasp out the answers. Mm -hmm. And then finally somebody from the crowd said, well, can we sing breathe, you know, to you together? Oh, that's really cool. And, uh, and she's like, yeah. And she, uh, she's up on stage and you can see she's crying. And it's just like a really sweet video. I'm going to post that one instead of the actual song because everybody knows that song. Mm -hmm. So that is my, my two Anna Nalik and David, the singer from gang of youths. (laughs) Uh, I didn't know there was going to be a man crush. So <laughs> You don't have to do a man I crush. I just, I just volunteered it's, to do a man crush. It's just a man crush for his voice, and that's Mark Cohn. Oh, yeah. Walking I totally get that. Walking in Memphis. He could and, sing the yeah. alphabet. The or, song Walking in Memphis? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's um, got an amazing voice. Yeah. yeah. I, I know that he's had some, I think he was shot in the head. Oh, my God. A couple of years back. I think, yeah, he was shot he, in his yeah, car. I think, carjacking I think now or that I remember like that. that you say that, I remember that. I remember he's been married to like some famous people that... Elizabeth Vargas? She's Elizabeth a, Vargas. Yeah, yeah. she's a res- hmm. 
course, I remember when I used to uh, hang out with Erica a lot. We went to one of her friends' house and drank like all night. Just sat there at the table, <laughs> kitchen table, like you do in Wisconsin. Sit at the kitchen table, but they played the put that CD, the Walking yeah. to Memphis, and we listened to it like three times. And I was like, "Holy crap, this is a really good CD!" Like he's he's super talented. Yeah. So and just the nope. voice, and then yep. you know some of his other songs. I'll, I probably won't put. I won't give you Walking in Memphis. I'll give you one of his other songs. Okay. But for the female, we talked about this on the drive down, and there's really only one that comes to mind. Um, I printed out a picture of her. I put it in my locker at work, which is like totally not something I would normally do. I don't really <laughs> find those fascinations like Kurt does with singers. <laughs> um, and that is Jewel mm. from you know when Jewel. I was definitely younger. <laughs> Who's more uh, of an actress now than a yeah? I I realized that she just had an interview with Joe Rogan on his mm. podcast and it's absolutely amazing because she talks about like when she was poor and living in her vehicle and how she was discovered and she turned down a million dollar yeah. recording contract and you know she just seems like down to earth and she gets it and i just thought she was beautiful and yeah. you know you so. were meant for me is always one of my all-time favorite videos and i think she's just adorable in that video yeah i think i'll do the one that she gets the most crap for and that's that intuition Oh, where <laughs> yeah. I totally forgot about she that. She totally changed she her totally style. Was yeah. It was, yeah, and it was basically the video she got a lot of crap for. Yeah, because it was like of, totally poppy and yeah. she had this little skirt on. And yeah, stuff. and she was just trying to prove the, you know, uh, being a consumerist society and and having these ads that don't really show you what you're being, you know, what it's the actual ad for. You know, mm-hmm. it ends up being three ladies scantily clad and it ends up being for a beer. Yeah. So and that's that's what I'll go with. Totally. Didn't she kind of go country then? Oh, yeah. She's totally country. I think she's, and she's, she's in good. like Hallmark Christmas movies now. Yeah, I, I, I would watch some of those. She's a good actress. Hmm. I'll check she's cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, mine's a girl crush, and I, you probably already know who it is. I know it's going to be Haley. Yeah, it's yeah. totally <laughs> Haley Williams. <laughs> From Paramore. She's my one and only original girl crush. I just <laughs> love her. I think she's amazing. I think she's so talented. Um She's really smart. She's a good person. And the song that I'm going to recommend is actually Crush, Crush, Crush. Yep. Paramore. It's off the Riot album. It's one of the first videos I saw. And I was like, wow, she's like, she was a teenager when that album came out. And I'm like, she's just larger than life. I don't know. I I just think she's amazing. Dog sitting for you guys that time. That was the, one of the only songs that I could get a perfect score on, on rock band band singing uh, on difficult. That was the only song that I could just, I mean, obviously you could use misery business because she doesn't sing it anymore. Right, yeah, she doesn't. But that just shows what kind of person she is, too. I mean, because she's also always got a lot of crap, too, for being like, she's like the person in Paramore, and it doesn't matter who the band members mm-hmm. are. And People then, love Paramore for her. Yeah. But what sucks, went, too, is that like I love uh, We Are the In Crowd, and any band that comes out with a female singer is automatically yeah. tagged a Paramore wannabe mm-hmm. band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she went kind of poppy there with some collaborations with... I can't think of any of the singers. B.O.B., yeah, who's a flat it, earther, by yeah, the way. Airplanes or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I like their stuff when they were more of a punk rock, mm-hmm. old rock type thing. But the pop stuff, it's not bad. She's definitely got talent. She's a cutie. I dig her solo stuff a lot. It's total departure from Paramore. But, yeah, she's my girl crush. No man crushes? I won't kick her out of bed. <laughs> I can't think of anyone. Like, I don't know. Like a man crush? Like a singer? I don't know. Pitbull? Mine would be was something. Pitbull? <laughs> Who? Oh God, no! Remember? Mine would be like <laughs> I don't James even know if that was on. We were talking be about like that before James we recorded. Headfield or something, because to me, he's like the ultimate frontman for a band. He's like the, he just commands a stage. You didn't say like, David Lee Roth. No, no, I love Metallica. I like I'm a the, huge Metallica fan. Like the, 
Jared Leto or emo bands like uh I'm not into emo at all. No. Nope, not at all. And Jared Leto, yeah, he's hot and everything, but I've heard too many things about him mm. lately that make me think, nope, I'm not really into you that much. Like I don't know, like he's not as good of a person as he maybe comes across. That turns me off, so I don't know. Hmm. We're gonna have a lot of songs to post. Five songs, <laughs> two mine, two chords. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, should we squeeze a joke in here? Just squeeze a joke quick? in and then I'll... Th- like a terrible, terrible pickle I joke. will throw the... Okay, should you ever eat pickles on an empty stomach? We already did this one. Oh, dang. Why didn't the pickle cross the sandwich? We did that one too, I think. To keep from coming through the rye? Yes, we did that one too. I must block these out. <laughs> it's probably what gives best. a pickle a good taste? What? Four years in an Ivy League school. <laughs> so I feel like I could write better jokes than that. Anyway... Any hoozles. Poop, I forgot to look something up. I'll have to do it before the next episode if we were to record a next episode. Hypothetically. Um well, you can email <laughs> us at the strange sessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session without the S. Lots of lots of stuff, feedback on Twitter. That's going crazy. <laughs> I haven't even checked it. No, I don't think months. we even touched that one. No. We are on Instagram at the Strange Sessions where Chris does a great job. You can send us postcards and snail mail to the Strange Sessions, P.O. Box four three four. Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And you can call our lonely little phone number at 920-443-9602. Roland, thank you so yes, much for you, the Roland. lemon, even though it's a little too fizzy and sour. But Krista actually Came has something from here Italy. from Italy, yes. so she is probably going to sleep with that under her pillow yep. tonight. Uh, Corey, thank you as always for joining. You did a bang-up job. As always. You're welcome. You need to sneak into the Vatican, see what's in there. That's your mission before next right, time. You're already back. dressed. You got like the, I'll come with just because I want to like go to the, Italy. He's got like the burglar outfit we, on today. Oh, he's got dressed the, in black. Yeah. We snuck <laughs> up around the back. <laughs> exactly. So thank you so much. Yep. Uh, I don't know when you're going to be on another episode. Maybe a holiday. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So I think that's it for us. So from Krista, Corey, and myself from the Strange Cellar. Until next time, stay Stay strange. strange.